Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Awakening Universal Minds. I'm your host, Brother Beniti, uh, a.k.a. Brother Michael. Uh, tonight, we have a special guest back with us. Um, we have Dr. Edward Bruce Bynum with us tonight. We'll have him with us for the first hour and a half. And then in the second portion of the show, myself, Brother Ravana Noon, and the Sargidi will continue the discussion. Uh, Dr. Bynum, are you there? Yes, I am. How are you doing? Good. I'm doing good. How are you doing, Dr. Bynum? Pretty good, pretty good, pretty good. All excited oh. about tonight. All right. We are, too. Uh, Dr. Bynum has authored several books. Uh, we had him on discussing uh, his book, Dark Light Consciousness. Tonight, we're going to discuss the African unconscious, roots of ancient mysticism, and modern psychology. He's also authored other books, Why Darkness Matters, The Family Unconscious, and Invisible Bomb, The Roots of Transcendence, and uh, several other titles that you can actually uh, pick up. Online, they're available on Amazon, uh, intertraditions.com, and all his books are pretty much available either in hard copy or e-format. If if your thing is again reading them uh, via a tablet or a computer, uh, so Dr. Bonham, if you could, for maybe some listeners that have not heard you before, if you can give an introduction and a, and a background of yourself. Oh sure, yeah, I'm uh, I'm. Uh... Uh, a psychologist, a clinical psychologist, which means that uh, you know I'm a regular uh, bread and butter doctor. I see patients. I see patients uh, uh, in private practice. I see patients. Uh, recently, I should say, uh, by prior to this, I saw patients at a university clinic uh, at the University of Massachusetts. Um, so that's what I do uh, for a uh, a living. Uh, and also, I uh, have a, a long-term uh, abiding interest and in, um, investment in the, 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 the genius of the uh, African traditions, uh, particularly in uh, psychology and the other sciences. Uh, and hopefully, uh, when we talk about the African unconscious tonight, we'll have a chance to talk about the origins of science and um, uh, medicine uh, as we know it today in ancient Africa, particularly ancient uh, Egypt or Kemetic uh, Egypt. Right. Um, and, and Dr. Bynum, uh, how many, I mean, well, well how many, I want to say roughly, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that, but tonight we're going to discuss your, again, your book, The African Unconscious. Um, so kind of where I wanted to start, we, we know obviously in doing, in, you know, various forms of research, uh, pretty much most or all cultures, I should say, have a connection, obviously an African origin, because we're, in your book you kind of get into how a lot of these cultures branched out from the origin of, of it all, Africa. But let, let's talk about the, the, the origin of the human conscious that you mentioned in the beginning, of the very beginning of your book, uh, the African origin of it. And let's kind of discuss a little bit about where this consciousness all started from. around the world that an, that an earlier form of uh, our species um, uh, was discovered in the southern parts of uh, Africa and she was another variation of the, of the uh, family line long before you know us our species homo sapiens sapiens is called but she was still as part of that continuing story so again it's been reinforced uh, by hard, quote-unquote, hard science, anthropology, uh, paleontology, 
and so on. But the effort I tried to make in the early stages of the uh, African unconscious is that all the stages that lead up to humankind originated uh, in Africa, particularly South and uh, Africa and uh, the eastern part of uh, Africa and the uh, highlands. And we know that for right. ex- extensive excavations. And there were you know, numerous types and variations on the theme of this uh, genus, a species that developed from the earlier ones, Australopithecines they were called, from you know, right. at least three and a half million years ago, all the way down to the Homo sapiens, which is our uh, more direct line. And then eventually our particular species, Homo sapiens sapiens, let's call thinking man, arose in Africa. I mean, you find bones of her uh, in, in, in many other continents, but all of the bones you find in Africa, the hard evidence, and you find the earliest sites in Africa. And so there's no real uh, controversy about that anymore. I mean, that was finally settled 20 years ago. Finally right. settled 20 years ago. It's settled science now. Uh, right. That the human we know it today arose right. in Africa. And all of us today are variations of that uh, African um, origin- originated uh, species. And everybody Correct. is a variation on a theme from the uh, African uh, types today to the Asiatic types to the uh, European types and so on and so forth. They're all right. variations of that early model. Right. Uh, and in, in that same chapter, if we could, since you kind of bring up the different stocks, let, let's talk a little about if you can explain to the listeners what the hominids are and the different stocks and the various, if you can elaborate a little bit on that so people are clear on that. Yeah. You know, we go back um, uh, millions and millions of years as a, uh, you know, sort of a, a biological line. And you have your early types emerging uh, uh, at least uh, mm, three, uh, at least five million years ago, these were called the Proto-Australopithecines, and right. they were, they, you know, they walked on um, t- on t- two feet, were moving towards standing upright and so forth, and then out of those, you have your um, uh, other ones uh, emerging, uh, a whole family called Australopithecines, and within that, you have different branches of the tree. And then about, mm, most research says about roughly 3 million years ago, you had right. the Australopithecines going off in one direction, and you had the Homo genus, that's us, our, our direct lineage, sort of emerging. And then right. out of that tree, you get lots of other branches, um, you know, uh, Homo rudolphinus, uh, Homo habilis, the ones with the uh, instruments, uh, Homo egaster out later on, on and on and on and on and on until finally you get to Homo erectus about one and a half million years ago. And he was the first one to definitely stand upright all the time, Homo erectus. Right. And now right. his line, a number of other variations on a theme until finally you get to uh, the recent ones, uh, Cro-Magnon man, uh, uh, Neanderthals, and so on and so forth. But our direct, we're not related to them. Our direct line is Homo sapiens sapiens, and she evolved uh, on the Africa savannas at least half a million years ago, at the very least. And then about mm, 200, about 150,000 years ago, all the gene pool of all human beings crossed in one female, one African female. Uh, right. It's called a mitochondrial 
Mother Humanity, uh, Eve. And uh, she's about 150,000 years ago. And all of us, and I don't care what we look like, are direct descendants of her. She definitely was an African uh, female. Correct. So having having said that, and I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up because that that brings up an interesting point. Uh, when talking to many people on, on this topic, I, and obviously it's 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 a no brainer in this day and time. Everybody knows the origin of of the human definitely comes out of Africa. That's that's undebatable, regardless of uh, still some people in this day and time trying to refute that. Um, speaking of evolution, there, there's you know in in this field you get different opinions and, and, and again it's it's part of the the research process. Some some say when dealing with evolution as far as the races, I've I've personally run into people that don't believe in evolution, which I don't quite get that. Uh then there's the evolution versus creation perspective. Now if if I'm wrong, correct me. They they kind of go hand in hand, evolution and the creation thing. So when we speak of these races, the origins of Africa, when we speak of the later races, uh, whether you're talking about some of your Asiatics and then uh, your Caucasian races that came later, how how does the evolutionary process tie into that as far as some of these races that came after the fact? And does climate, the other thing I wanted to throw in there was some say point of origin where some of these people lived kind of affected. I'm oh, not, definitely. Oh, yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, uh, up until, you know, I mean, our species arose, Homo sapiens sapien, thinking man, somewhere between 150,000 to 200,000 years ago, uh, somewhere around in there. And then uh, up until about mm, 35,000 years ago, they all looked the same. And she began to uh, migrate to the different continents. She went up into... Uh, uh, what we think of as the Middle East today, all the way over to uh, India and then down to Australia. Uh, she went up uh, into across the Straits of Gibraltar. She went up into Europe. Um, she went all the way across from uh, Asia um, up into um, the northern parts of Asia and crossed over the uh, uh, in, through Alaska because it's the seas during the Ice Ages sucked up a lot of the water. So the land was lower. So it was possible to cross over from uh, Asia to Alaska at that time. Right. Uh, and also she crossed uh, sometimes in uh, boats from, the, uh, from Australia and the Pacific Islands to South America. So she traveled to the, quote, New World in many different ways. Uh, but during that time, she had to adjust to different climatic uh, changes. I mean, we're adaptable species. That's why we, one of the reasons we've survived. Well, right. in that interaction with the local environment over thousands and thousands and thousands of years, there's a surface adaptation that's you know that's useful. Like when right. we went up into uh, into uh, Europe, uh, because the, the climate was much colder, uh, there were certain surface adaptations. The eyes became lighter. One of the reasons is because that uh, uh, lighter eyes, blue eyes, see better in the darker uh, climates, where you, uh, which predominates in northern Europe. The right. bodies got thicker, uh, and uh, so they were heavier. They retained more heat. Uh, the bodies became uh, hairier on the surface because it retained more heat. The nose got longer simply to warm the air as it went into the the uh, uh, 
the uh, the body, and the hair gets longer on the head. These are all surface adaptations. Right. Um, and so everywhere she went, she adapted. Um, and so that's how you get the surface uh, changes. But deep down, in terms of the uh, the genotype, there was no there's no species change. There's no speciation. It's all right. the same creature. It's all the same right. creature. It just shows differently. You know. Right. I mean, I'm glad you. Yeah, I mean, right. even even today, if you went into Europe today, <clears throat> you could see that not all Europeans look the same. You you Correct. could look you'd look and you'd see well you know. They're Eastern European uh, because uh, you know, and you could you could uh, you could uh, describe certain characteristics of uh, someone from Eastern Europe, the Russian type, who's different from the person who would be in a Mediterranean, who Correct. would be different from someone from the northern islands of Ireland and even England. That's right. There are at least uh, five different types, quote unquote, of Africans. The Africans on the west on the uh, west coast. Nigeria and so on and so forth look very different from the Africans in South Africa. Correct. Who look the sand people who look very different than the Ethiopic type. So we have these different surface changes, but they're all the same creature. They're all the same species. It's all the same. Uh, it's all pretty much the same brain. Correct. And I'm glad you addressed that because that's uh, scientifically again. I think that that's kind of left out of the equation on a regular basis when talking about the origin of, of the African or the origin of races in general. I don't think people, you know, go into it to, to, to a scientific aspect to kind of clarify that. So the next thing I want to go into, which I think this is, this is key, um, and this was, I, I think, is a good part of the book here, uh, the connection with Egypt and Nubia. And, and, and I, want, I, want you to, I want to get into this consciousness because obviously uh, Egypt has had a major impact yeah. On spirit, on spiritual consciousness, without a doubt, and obviously most most people in the conscious community, you know, gravitate towards Egypt. But one thing I want you to talk about, which you kind of address in the book, Nubia actually, which predates Egypt, and and yes. as we know, Nubia has more pyramids there than Egypt, yes. and most of the Egyptian civilization actually migrated out of Nubia. Can you kind of elaborate on the, the Nubian Egyptian connection? and the impact that it's had on our consciousness. Yes, about uh, somewhere between seven uh, and 10,000 years ago. We're not exactly sure when, but somewhere between seven and 10,000 years ago, there was another, and there be, because there have been many, another climactic uh, change in, uh, in, in the northern part of Africa, and the, the land that used to be lush in the Sahara began to dry up. Right. And many many of the the cultures that were there uh, either died out or began to migrate, and they, uh, the most influential ones migrated from the western parts of Africa uh, toward uh, the Nile uh, because that was the great source of water. Also, right. you have people descending from uh, the uh, highlands of uh, Ethiopia down toward. Um, uh, the, the Nile heading toward the Mediterranean. So you have this confluence of uh, peoples. Um, and as they do, they bring their or their society, their orientation, their skills with them. And so up right. from Nubia, you bring people who uh, are very sophisticated in cattle uh, uh, cultivation, in uh, horticulture, 
and also very, very, very importantly in observing the stars because it was very important to know the, what the heavens looked like because you planned your life, you planned your crops, you planned your uh, uh, cycles based upon the rise and fall of not only the, the uh, Nile, which brought you know, fertilization to the area, but also right. uh, because of the way the stars were in the skies. And so you had people, whole classes of people, who were astronomers, essentially, and watched the skies, wrote about it, mapped it out on the ground and, and observatories and so on and so forth, which we have scattered remains of today. And so right. after the, you know, and this, this occurred uh, somewhere between five and 7,000 years ago, around in there. But I want to point out to, to folks that are listening that there was another high civilization, very high civilization in Africa around before uh, that. And it reached its peak around 10,000 to 12,000 years before Christ. Right. Okay, the Pyramid Age uh, was actually around 2,500 uh, years before Christ, 2,500 B.C. But, this is very important, but the Sphinx was actually carved out of limestone around 10,500 B.C. Why do we know this? Because it's oriented... uh, the Sphinx is oriented, the, the lion-headed, or rather the lion-bodied Sphinx with the head of an African is looking right. directly into the vernal equinox on 10,500 B.C. as it rises. That's no Correct. accident. It does it also in 2,500 B.C., but also that date. And with the Sphinx, there are geological indications of that. You know, There are water right. erosion marks. Uh, uh, um, on the Sphinx, and those could not have happened in an arid time, time, which was 2500 B.C. That happened when the Sahara was lush with rainfall and lakes and rivers and so on and so forth. And that was more around 10,500 B.C., the last great ice age. So something happened. Something catastrophic happened. And we don't really know. There's a lot of speculation. I have my own thoughts about it, but there's a great it was a great right. fragmentation that happened, and then we sunk into we sunk into darkness for thousands and thousands of years, and uh, the wisdom of those ages was only kept alive in some of the the uh, temples and caves of ancient Kemetic uh, Egypt, and then after millennia of darkness, slowly, slowly in Africa again. Uh, human beings began to climb back toward that high civilization. And that began in earnest probably around, um, it reached, I should say, a high point, uh, again, high point, around 33 to 3,500 years before Christ. And that's where you have the excavations at Tasseti and lots of others. But all of those are coming out of Nubia because Nubia is the origin of the later Egyptian manifestation. So for me, I, I kind of fuse them back and forth because they fuse them back and forth. Correct. You know, they, don't, they don't make any sharp demarcation the way the later, uh, quote, modern scholars, unquote, have done. No, the ancient Egyptians and Nubians, they looked alike. <laughs> and they, and, they, right. and, they, and they, 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 they depict this on the, on the, on the uh, inside of the pyramids and so on and so forth. I mean, their dress is different. Correct. But their physiology is exactly the same. Correct. 
Well, you could also, and I'm glad you bring that up, the connection. Uh, when you do the research also, for an example, uh, the deity they call in ancient Egypt, Bess, some of the deities uh, from the pre-dynastic Egyptians actually had their origin in Nubia, yeah. and and that kind of migrated itself later on into what we know as modern-day Egypt. So, yeah, there there is a connection in your book, definitely connects that missing element because I always I always tell people you know everybody's always is 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 so hard on connecting with Egypt and sometimes Nubia it gets left out of the equation so um, I'm glad you connected that yeah well part of that um, is also uh, there's a subtle political uh, 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 bias in there in that um, with Egypt even today even today uh, right. you find scholars uh, arguing that Egypt is a manifestation of the of the of the Near East, right. which you will, and you'll find scholars saying, "Well, yes, civilization began in Egypt, but you know those Egyptians, they weren't, they didn't look like um, uh, uh, the ancient Africans. They looked more like Libyans, and, correct? Uh, uh, Proto Libyans, and so on and so forth. Uh, this is simply uh, not true, uh, but it, but it allows you to argue something like that. You can't argue that with that the Nubians look are an extension of uh, a Middle Eastern thing. You can't. Right. So right. That, that's part of the struggle with uh, ancient Egypt. But 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 the the carvings, the paintings, so on and so forth of ancient uh, uh, Egypt, Kemetic Egypt, are undisputably an indigenous from the continent spiraling upward phenomenon. Uh, they've Correct. done a, they've done a number of uh, forensic studies and reconstructions of the Sphinx, and they've reconstructed the Sphinx's nose and so on and so forth. And um, if you look at the reconstructions, and this is done by uh, police who, uh, by people who are, you know, uh, are not not only artists, but they're, they're, they do forensics, okay? It's the right. science of forensics. They reconstruct the face of the Sphinx. This man would have difficulties today. Correct. Because he's a very clearly African-looking man. Correct. Now, in the ancient world, including ancient Mediterranean world, this was not a problem. Correct. It was no big deal. This is just the way it was. Right. It only became a problem in the, the quote-unquote modern ages beginning in the medieval period and later. But the, right. the Greeks and the Romans didn't have any problem with it. That's right. They didn't have any problem with it. In ancient Greece and ancient Rome, they worshipped African gods. That's that's correct. And when you mentioned earlier, not to cut you off, but you mentioned earlier when you talk about uh, the southern Mediterranean or the southern part of Europe, especially when you get into uh, Sicily and the connection with Hannibal and yes. you know, edge of North Africa, but which which some people may or may not know, that was actually inhibited by the North Africans. And like you said, there is a connection. Even if you go there today, when the when the Moors went through there, you could still see the remnants. Oh yeah, and and the effect on it. So you're you're right. It's just in modern day, it's become something taboo and thrown under the rug when dealing with Africa. But it's, I'm glad you brought that up. Oh yes, in fact, there were several African kingdoms uh, in Europe before the Moors. The Moors right. came with the with the Islamic tide, um, 700 A.D. But there were several mm -hmm. African kingdoms that came up through North Africa into Europe, and particularly the Iberian Peninsula. Uh, right. Uh, during Hannibal's time and before him, uh, there were several African pharaohs, in fact, um, uh, who conquered large parts of the Middle East 
and, and, and had uh, in, incursions into uh, Iberian Peninsula. So Correct. all of this gets wiped out of history um, because, as someone once said, uh, whoever wins gets to write history. That's right. <laughs> That's true. They, 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 they have an influence on history. Now, this, this kind of leads us into the next portion of the book. Uh, now, as we branch out, we, we, we see the impact of, of Nubia into Egypt, and now the effect that Egypt has had on the world, which you kind of get into the next section of the book. Um, there's obviously a strong connection with Mesopotamia. Uh, you mentioned earlier the Sphinx. Uh, when you look at Enkiduman, which is kind of a replica of the Sphinx in Mesopotamia, you see one influence there of many. Uh, so you talk about kind of the connection now and the effect that Egypt or Kemet has had on Asia. Uh, we, we just briefly talked about Europe and obviously the connection with West Africa, as you talked of the, the origins of, of, of evolution of the original Africans and how they migrated out. Let's talk about now the effect that Egypt has had on these other cultures that it kind of migrated out to, mainly some of the ones you talk about in the book, Asia, Mesopotamia, uh, old, old Europe and West Africa. Yes. Well, I mean, for the ancient world, when I say ancient world, I'm talking about, uh, uh, you know, three, uh, you know, 3300, 3500 BC before uh, Christ um, till about uh, 1200 BC. Okay. Uh, correction, correction. Until about uh, 300 BC. Uh, the, for the ancient world, where you went to graduate school, where you went to medical school, was Egypt. Right. And even even after Egypt has had been subdued, uh, there were a number of invasions of Egypt um, beginning around um, uh, effective invasions of Egypt, I should say, around uh, 1200 BC. Uh, but between before that time, Egypt was reign supreme in a continuous civilization, a continuous civilization. And then it right. was invaded by uh, Hyksos, other uh, uh, Middle Eastern uh, powers, and then eventually right. was uh, invaded uh, by the uh, uh, the uh, uh, Alexander of Macedonia, Alexander the Great, and around 300 B.C., somewhere around in there. And then in 33 B.C., you have the uh, uh, Romans overtaking the Egyptians. Correct. And then after the Romans, um, you have uh, the Europeans uh, coming in. Um, Correct. Uh, and then uh, after uh, the, the first major one after that, actually, was um, uh, uh, France under Napoleon. And then right. eventually Napoleon's reign is over and the Anglo-Saxons take it over. And they're Correct. the last ones. But in between those, you have the, you know, the Islamic... Uh, incursions and the Islamic transformations on the surface, anyway, of Egypt. So, in other words, Egypt had a lot of different invasions, but the primary character of Egypt remained pretty much the same until around uh, uh, until the time of uh, the uh, uh, the Roman invasions. Then it began to change more in terms of right. religion. But people, you know, when you when you went to study. That's where you went. The ancient, the Greek luminaries, the great right. ones. That's where they went. And you know right. something? You know something? They said so. Correct. They said they didn't so. Deny. They right. said so. They wrote about it, and there was nothing racist about it at all. That racist thing is a relatively new phenomenon. 
That's right. But the ancient, the ancient Greeks, the ancient Romans, that you know, you want to study medicine, you want to study science, because that's where it was. The, the great, you know, uh, architectural masterpieces were all in in Africa, particularly Cumetic uh, uh, Egypt. The pyramids, my God, you know, the Sphinx, the obelisks, those are all there. And so this was a place where, uh, uh, you know, uh, ma- advanced mathematics at that time had its Correct. roots. You know, you have, uh, I mean, you know, they're, they're, you know, it's it's interesting. You can pick up a, t- a textbook and you'll read about Greeks uh, introducing the world to uh, geometry. The Greeks did not build the pyramids. That's right. But it's always attributed to the Greeks. Right. And it's just, it's just a sort of, it's a mind thing, you know, right. it's a mental thing going on. People will still say civilization began with the Greeks. No, it didn't. And the Greeks said so themselves. And the Greeks did not arise on the scene until around 400 or 500 B.C. Before that time, there was just sort of another people running around, you know. And there was, when a hundred years or so before Alexander the Great, they started getting their act together. But for thousands of years before that, thousands of years unbroken before that, that that was where you went. Right. I'm emphasizing that because I want folks to hear that so that when next time they hear that, they can recognize that that's just propaganda. That's Correct. Just, that's, that's menticide, you know, mm-hmm. killing your mind, menticide. Just keep repeating the lie over and over and over and over. And, and after a while, you know, it because, and it's really important because so many of our, uh, so many of our, uh, children, so many of our progeny shy away from going into the sciences. Why? Because they don't have any image of themselves in science. Right. That's they don't. That's and right. That's, and that's that's be, that's that's be, that's a mental thing, totally. Correct. The, the early I, great ones were, were 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 of African origin. Correct. And I'm glad you bring it up, like like as you were just talking about a minute ago about about the Greeks. Like you say, the Greeks never ever covered up where they got all their knowledge and information from. But like you said, there's been a concentrated effort, you know, over the last you know twenty thirty years where it's it's people from the outside, uh, you know, European some European scholars that maybe try to get a monopoly on things. They, they're the ones that make the statements, like you say, as far as attributing a lot of the origin of these things um, to the Greeks. Um, but like you say, it was never hidden. All, 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 all these great Greek scholars never, never tried to cover the fact of where never they... they did. No, Plato, Plato didn't say it. Uh, I mean, they felt the Greeks were superior, but it, wasn't, it was because Greeks as an ethnic group. But they felt the Correct. Greeks were superior to uh, the people in Northern Europe also. It wasn't a racial thing. It was right. an ethnic kind of pride thing, but right. uh, yeah, and in fact, the the the, the uh, story of this cover up, so to speak, this this uh, assassination assault, begins really in earnest in the time of uh, Napoleon, because during the European Renaissance, when the Europeans were coming out of their own dark ages, uh, they looked around for models of civilization before them to build their new rising civilization. And where did they turn to? They turned to they turned to ancient Egypt. Right. They turned to ancient Egypt. That was the model from the, during the Renaissance period, and that only changes radically, by the way, when Napoleon 
in the 17th century invades Egypt. Correct. Uh, he's, he invades Egypt, and he gets to the Sphinx, and he, he looks around, and all he sees is black people. Correct. And he's blown away. He is blown away, and so are other people, because... They, Europeans, particularly French and, and English and, those, and Spanish and those in the western parts of Europe, not in the eastern parts, in the western parts of Europe, have been importing, stealing black Africans and making them slaves now for a long time. And then they right. go to the place that they've idealized as the origin of civilization, and there's nothing but these black people there. And they flip out. And that is when all of a sudden they drop Egypt and they begin to look at ancient Greece and Rome and India. Correct. That's when that occurs. Not until the 1700s does that occur. Before that time, it was all about Egypt, until they actually got there, and they saw. <laughs> and it was, all, oh boy, can't do that. Because that was a big psychological, no, 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 no. So we have to degrade them. So we just blot them out of history. And, you, and uh you know, it's a psychological phenomenon, and it's politically it's understandable. Economically and politically, it's understandable. You can't be idolizing people who you are enslaving. It doesn't work. Right. Um, and and one thing I did, like you mentioned uh, again a couple of minutes ago, I, I think part of some sometimes where the, the the confusion of the historical aspect of Egypt comes in uh, when you mentioned the Hyksos earlier. Uh, most people that may not be maybe as educated on Egypt, uh, most of the stuff we get mainstream is basically the the last 46 dynasties of ancient Egypt or the Hyksos dynasties. Um, not many people really go back to, as as the book talks about when you get into Nubia and ancient, you know, Egypt, not many people get into the pre-dynastic Egyptians. Right. And that's why, I, that's why I wanted to bring up Nubia because it, it really has its origin back there because most people, especially I find sometimes when you get in, in when you're talking history and religion, I think the the maybe the not as educated person on the historical aspect of Egypt gets caught up into the like you say the Hyksos invaders, um, and this is kind of the connection to some of these stories that they read in their Bible. So they get the misinterpretation. Um, so if you could like before we move on, differentiate between what we know today as modern day Egypt or the last 46 dynasties of Egypt, which were your Indo-Aryan and Greek invaders that mixed in with the ancient Egyptians. And some people, unfortunately, it's, it's kind of like something that's implanted subconsciously. People, Some people forget they hear Egypt, and they falsely attribute it to the Middle East, and sometimes they forget that it's actually part of the Northeast com- continent of Africa because right. there's, also, there's also a concentrated effort when watching the news and things of that nature. They always try to make it sound like, Egypt is in the Middle East, and they don't right. focus on an aspect. So maybe we can elaborate a little on that. Right. The, as we were saying before, the origins of uh, both modern and ancient Egyptian culture, particularly ancient Egyptian culture, the deep roots, come from uh, uh, three main sources. Western Africa migrating over uh, uh, out of the, uh, as the land dries up toward the Nile in Egypt from the center of the continent itself and from the highlands of uh, Ethiopia. Those three currents bringing their cultures create, first of all, 
a new civilization in Nubia. Right. And then out of Nubia, over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, there are variations in arising in what we think of as Egypt today. But the origins of the pyramids, the earliest pyramids, and the more numerous pyramids, and the older pyramids, all appear in ancient Nubia. Right. And then they take a quantum leap when it gets to Egypt because there's a breakthrough in the science and the technology. And Correct. the ancient Egyptians then begin to build incredibly huge pyramids uh, that reflect the, the constellations and they embed the, the uh, structure of the constellations into the layout of the pyramids on the Giza Plateau to reflect the stars above so that they're and that's when we get the hermetic philosophy or as above, so below, as within, so without. And that has an enormous effect on the psychology. In my particular field, psychology, psychiatry, its origins are in ancient Egypt. The first, right. the first word for the unconscious, the first observations of the unconscious begin in ancient Egypt. And they call it by name. And they, they study hypnosis. They... Um, study dreams, and they have a very advanced form of medicine that was not actually surpassed until the middle of the uh, 19th century in Europe. But they knew about the body extensively because of the uh, science of mummification. So they studied the body. They studied the internal organs. They figured out what they do, and also battlefield trauma medicine. So it was a highly evolved, and there were specialties. There were dentists, people who specialized in dentistry. So right. it's a very, and, and all of this tends to get wiped away because you, in order to politically subjugate a people, you got to psychologically do it too. You got to psychologically do it too. And this right. is part of the psychological uh, enslavement, um, in addition to the uh, chattel slavery. Uh, enslavement. Um, but, you know, um, it obviously wasn't completely effective, and it's also uh, significantly worn away in places. But even right. today, if you, you know, I've talked to people at conferences, uh, and they have a difficulty actually perceiving Egypt in Africa. They perceive it, literally perceive it as an extension of the Middle East. That's right. It's, it's just amazing. Yeah, it's, it's 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 quite comical. I hate to say it. Um, again, if you're just joining us, uh, you're listening to Dr. Edward Bruce Bynum. We're discussing his book, The African Unconscious: Roots of Ancient Mysticism and Modern Psychology. Uh, again, if you're interested in getting Dr. Bynum's books, you can go to innertraditions.com. Pretty much all of his books are available there. You can also go to Amazon.com. Uh, all of his books are available on Amazon. Also, there's Kindle versions, uh, e-formats, um, if your thing is reading it in an e-format on a tablet or a book. So pretty much uh, mostly all of his books are available. Just want to throw that if you're just tuning in at the top of the hour in about 20 minutes. We will be taking some questions and some calls for Dr. Bynum. So I see some people have already typed some questions in on the chat. We'll get as many over them to Dr. Bynum as we can, and we'll take some phone calls, and you'll be able to talk to uh, Dr. Bynum in a, in a, in a little bit. Um, so we can continue on, Dr. Bynum, next thing, and I'm glad you're kind of, you know, connecting all this. Let's, let's now talk about, which, which is a period some people talk about, but I don't, I don't know 
if the impact of it is discussed enough when we talk about the, the Dark Ages or medieval Europe. And I kind of also want to talk about the Crusade period because during the Crusades, um, when you do the research on the Crusades, uh, it wasn't really just the, the connection with Jerusalem and the Holy Land, but we also know that many people passed through Egypt during those periods. Uh, you have orders such as, say, the Knights of Templar and a lot of these, these um, societies that, that got their information from ancient Egypt. What, let's talk about the impact on the Dark Ages, medieval Europe, the Crusades, and how this kind of connect, connects to what they also got from Africa during the periods and, and, or, or what they were lacking at that point and the effect it had on consciousness. Well, the uh, you know, I mean, that th that leads into the uh, discussion of the origins of the ancient uh, Western religions uh, right. in Egypt, and um, you know, prior to uh, uh, 3000 BC, uh, uh, you had uh, a number of different kind of uh, uh, variations of religions evolving. But around around three to four thousand years before Christ, there's a there's a religious um, a revolution that occurs in Egypt with the with the rise of the uh, uh, the uh, religion of Osiris. Right. And Osiris was a great uh, uh, teacher, uh, and uh, he taught uh, of a whole new way of experiencing a human consciousness. Now, whether that was yeah. totally new or he rediscovered something that had been lost uh, in the Dark Ages uh, after the fall of uh, ancient uh, civilization 10,500 years before Christ. We don't know. But all we know is Osiris arose on the scene and he created, uh, discovered uh, a different dimension, profoundly expanding uh, spirituality. And that was dominant during the Egyptian period. And that is Correct. when mummification began in earnest because of the discoveries that they had uh, made in psychology and medicine. We should. I hope we get a chance to talk about some of the discoveries in psychology, but the ones that are, are, are easier to grab a hold of are the ones in, in the medicine. But anyway, so mummification begins, and uh, there's a whole religion of Osiris and resurrection, the idea right. of resurrection. Well, around 1200 uh, B.C., we get the rise of, um, of uh, 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 Judaism. Correct. By a black Egyptian priest. And this was announced by Sigmund Freud. Nobody less than Sigmund Freud said this. You know, in right. Moses and monotheism, uh, he said that uh, the, uh, uh, Moses, Moses, the founder of, uh, of Judaism, was not a Jew but a black Egyptian priest. He right. says this. And right. they, hate, they hated him for it, of course. Uh, the right. only ones that liked that idea were the Nazis. Because they, for their own reasons. But anyway, uh, and they leave um, or are kicked out, one or the other. Um, but with them is, is, is uh, Judaism. And then uh, we come to the great avatar, Jesus the Christ. And he founds a new religion that is different, has a different offshoot of Judaism. Right. And that. Um, is eventually is initially resisted, but is eventually incorporated into the dominant empire in the Western world at that time is, uh, you know, the Roman world. Right. Well, uh, the Roman world uh, actually officially accepts Christianity around 300 A.D. or so with Constantine, the emperor, and so forth. Anyway, around four, around the 400s or so, the Roman Empire begins to 
crumble. And then after that, uh, different Germanic and European tribes invade uh, Rome, and it eventually falls, and it goes into the, what we call the Dark Ages. And the Correct. light of civilization that was uh, for thousands of years in Egypt goes out in Europe, and it, it only survives in, in some uh, uh, hermitages in, uh, in, uh, among Irish monks, but it stays alive in Africa and Egypt and the Middle right. East. But it goes to, right. the, the light goes out in uh, Europe. And then it's that way from around 500 or so until around ooh, 1200 or so, uh, you, you begin to start having a resurgence. And the resurgence is initially brought into Europe, by the way, by the Moors, who, bring it, into, who bring it into the Iberian Peninsula. And um, they reach their height and eventually are kicked out finally in 1492 by um, Ferdinand and Isabella of uh, Spain. By the by the way, that was a very interesting year, 1492. The uh, the last Moors are kicked out of um, uh, the Iberian Peninsula of Spain and Portugal in 1492. The right. last the last African emperor, um, Sunni Ali, dies in West Africa because Africa was a, was a West was civilizations, indigenous African civilizations. There had been a number, but that was the last one. Sunni Ali he dies. And Columbus gets lost in what he thinks is uh, India when he finds the uh, the New World. Correct. 1492 is a pretty heavy year. Well, That's anyway, right. after 1492, um, the slave trade uh, begins to pick up, um, led initially by the Arabs, but then picked up by the Western European uh, powers. And then uh, that's when you have that, that whole thing. Uh, begins to go south very quickly. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's, but but uh, after the fall of Christian Rome, it goes into its dark ages, and then it comes out of, of the dark ages into the medieval period. Okay? Right. So that's what those dark ages were. It lasted about three to five hundred years, depending on who you read. But it was a it was a very backward time, very Correct. very backward time, very Basically. backward time. Right. Now, you had, you had mentioned, uh, again, earlier, when you mentioned the Osiris story and the influence of Egypt on a, a lot of these Western religions, uh, especially Catholicism or, or, or the Catholic Church, because uh, there's, there's many sources of research out there. You know, when you look at the, the story of resurrection, as you mentioned earlier, the Osiris story, you, you know, the, the savior son figure, the, the, you know, the yeah. story of the asset. You know, giving birth to to Heru or Horus without yes, it's all you know, the immaculate stories. Yeah, the immaculate conception. It's identical oh, to exactly. the foundation. Of, yeah, it's identical. If you could elaborate, it's identical to the foundation of what Catholicism is kind of founded on. Can you kind of connect that? Yeah, those 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 ideas are what we call archetypes, deep ideas, uh, are, are 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 refined in uh, ancient uh, Kemetic Egypt. They are refined there. They're part of the of the religion of the everyday Egyptian, not only right. the pharaoh but and the priest, but the everyday Egyptian, of the right. idea of a um, a trinity, uh, the idea of a holy family, the idea right. that the that, that after the, uh, death the soul uh, it leaves the body, but not only does it leave the body, it eventually is resurrected. That's the big point. That's the big one. Right. That it is, it is resurrected, which is why you mummify the body if you're rich, of course. You mummify Correct. the body. Right. And um, so this is a basic tenet, and then this is picked up 
by the genius of uh, spiritual genius of uh, Jesus the Christ, uh, and becomes a central tenet in uh, his new religion, uh, which later gets to be called Christianity, uh, right. an offshoot of Judaism. And then um, in 700, around 700 A.D., a new religious wave brought on by the Prophet Muhammad sweeps up. So uh, and it, and uh, it begins in um, Arabia. He's kicked out of Arabia. There is no Saudi Arabia, by the way, at that time. There's only Arabia at that time. The Correct. Saudi royal family didn't exist. <laughs> People think that Saudi Arabia is his real name. No, it's Arabia, ruled Correct. by the Saudi family. Anyway, Correct. Um, he he has to hightail it out of uh, Arabia, and where does he go? He goes to Africa. That's Correct. where he goes. And that's where the religion is uh, really developed. And then when he goes back, he goes back in triumph. And when he, after he dies, the faith sweeps across uh, West Africa. I mean, uh, correct, it sweeps across uh, Africa, the Middle East, and up into um, the southern parts of Europe. And is only turned back um, uh, uh, at a small little battle up in France, the Battle of Tours, uh, right. I forget the year 10-something or other. But there was a little skirmish because the Moors are making their way up. And there was a little battle there by Charles Martel, and uh, it stops the Moors. Otherwise, they would have swept up into France. Correct. Right. So, you know, so all the three Western religions, Judaism, Christianity, Islam, have their roots spiritually and physically in West in, in Africa. And the ideas are all are very similar. They're all, they're all ideas of a one God. Okay? They're all Correct. ideas of a one God. Correct. Uh, and they're different from um, what is the spiritual intuition in what we call the uh, East, because theirs is uh, multiple gods all expressing one God. And that's a subtle right. difference. Okay, there's in, in, in the Western religions, there's one God period. Whereas in the East, you can have many different faces and expressions right. of the one right. God. Correct. Underneath, deep down, they're still the same, but you just have different cultural expressions of it. And out of ancient Egypt, uh, the Western meditative traditions, are, the contemplative traditions are born uh, that later become the, the undercurrent of the uh, Islamic traditions and the current, the current Christian religious and spiritual practices of contemplation, and so on and so forth. So they all have their origins in uh, in ancient uh, Kemetic uh, Egypt, all of them. Right. right. And again, uh, like I said, this book, obviously we're going to jump around a little bit. But, uh, again, for all the listeners, this is, again, an excellent book. We haven't even gotten into, uh, you know, Kundalini energy and things of that nature you get into later. But what I do want to talk about, I don't know if we'll be able to get to that, Let's talk about before we take some calls and questions for you, Doctor Biden. Let's talk since you kind of got into the, you kind of gave a breakdown on the on the roots and the origins and the connection to these Western religions in ancient Egypt. Let's talk now about the roots of modern science and medicine uh, in ancient Egypt. Let's get a little bit into that. Let's talk about the medicine, the mathematics. You did speak a little bit about astronomy, uh, the importance of you know how our ancestors or the ancient Egyptians charted, you know, the seasons, the equinoxes, the movement of the planets, and how that all tied in. Let's connect all that together. But what kind of medicine, if, if during, them, during those times, because we know 
it had its origin there. Let's talk about some of the medicine practices that were used back during them times in ancient Egypt. Well, as I, as I was mentioning, uh, because of um, um, uh, the, the uh, religion of Osiris and right. needing to uh, protect and cherish uh, the body, to not discard it, you have the uh, science of mummification, which involves uh, opening the body, studying the organs, carefully uh, preserving them in the canopic jars, and so on and so forth. So in the process of that, what do you do? Well, you study anatomy. You figure out what the heart does. You, you notice that the, 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 the brain has hemispheres, two hemispheres. And Correct. you notice based upon uh, battlefield injuries that afterwards soldiers who were injured in certain parts of the head and the skull can do this or can't do that. And you figure out that different parts of the brain are responsible for different functions in the body. Correct. And uh, you also figure out that, you know, and sometimes when there's a trauma, the brain is injured and it swells, which is right. what happens when you injure a nerve. And they figure out, well, you know, if we bore a hole into certain places and let the pressure off, it helps the brain. And so you have a, an early form of brain surgery, trepanation it's called. Correct. Okay. Um, Correct. You have specializations um, in this area, and we mentioned before one of them was dentistry. So right. you, you, uh, this is just in the area of medicine, and um, and you begin to use different kinds of medicines and medications to affect the GI tract, uh, fevers, brains, and so on and so forth, um, and. Um, so you begin to use chemistry. You begin to use chemistry. And right. um, later on that is debased um, because people think that, well, if we find the right chemicals, we can change uh, base metals into gold. <laughs> All right? Right. Um, but originally it was studying chemistry, biochemistry. Correct. And uh, there's a great book called The African Origin of Biological Psychiatry uh, by uh, uh, William, uh, William uh, by Richard D. King, The African Origin of Biological Psychiatry. But anyway, um, you begin to uh, do this, and uh, uh, when the Arabs eventually uh, invade and take over Egypt, they still do the same thing, but they refer to it not so much as chemistry, but alchemistry. Alchemy. Correct. Correct. And there are lots of others like this. Uh, they um, Mathematics, the Egyptians, the ancient Kemetic Egyptians, this is long before any Arabs or anybody else, built these colossal pyramids. Well, you have to have pretty exacting engineering capacities to do this. And they are, they are precisely aligned to the stars. So you have to know about astronomy. And Correct. you have to be know, know about geometry because they are... Uh, exacting figures. You have to know about trigonometry, which means angles and so on and so forth. So your 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 mathematics, particularly geometry and trigonometry, are highly advanced. Your medicine, for reasons we just mentioned, are. Uh, your chemistry is because you've got to figure out how to preserve things. So Correct. chemistry, alchemist. So and um, these naturally come together because. Uh, People study these in the peronks or houses of life. And Correct. so you have your academies developing. But the academies do not split off 
the spiritual development from the psychological and mental and uh, physical science development. So you have all right. of those in the same schools, the same universities. Right. And so uh, that's where the idea of the seven lively arts uh, comes from. It doesn't come from uh, Rome it comes or Egypt, uh, Rome or, or Greece. It comes from ancient Egypt. Correct. And, it, and it's, it's funny you bring that up because there's a connection with that uh, in, in Freemasonry because yes, they've been yes. Yes, they call it seven liberal arts on your fellow craft degree. Um, and we haven't even really, you know, mentioned that, but there's a strong connection with masonry in ancient Egypt. Obviously, you can see the, oh, the yes. effect that it's, oh, it's yeah. had on. Well, yeah, they, were the, so. they were the masons. They were the stone builders. There was a, a very special craft. And so they had special initiations in this. Because think of it, I mean, these colossal structures. And so you, you belong to a secret brotherhood who passed on its, its information. Uh, this way, like the like the guilds always do, and we have guilds today. I mean, uh, you can't hang out a shingle and start saying I'm going to practice medicine. No, you have to go to medical school. Uh, you can't have, say oh, I'm going to start practicing law. No, you got to go to law school. So these That's are right. guilds. It's not a bad thing, but it's just right. that you know it's a specialization of a skill. Well, the masons. Theirs was a specialized skill of how to build these colossal structures of precise alignment with the stars. And so they knew about um, the uh, astronomy. They knew secret things about astronomy, which we're only beginning to figure out some of them today. Some of those right. uh, secret rites actually migrated later with the fall of uh, Egypt, um, with the Roman invasions and, the, uh, and so forth. They migrated out of Egypt over toward Western Africa. And even in right. pre-dynastic, even in pre-dynastic Egypt, uh, where Nubia um, is in uh, ascendancy, uh, and their uh, uh, star culture of observing the stars in the alignments and so on and so forth, you have many of the uh, tra- teachings of that migrating over to West Africa, particularly Mali, uh, where the Dogon are. The Dogon traced their ancestry to around 5,000 years before Christ. Okay? Right. And the reason I'm bringing up them is because they knew precisely about certain orbits of the stars, Sirius and so forth, thousands of years before, the, uh, before it was discovered, quote-unquote, by the Europeans. Correct. With their telescopes. But somehow they knew about that. Now, how did they know about that? It's a different epistemology, a different way of knowing, which we've long forgotten. But theirs was as above, so below, as within, so without. They knew something about the body that also reflected the stars. Correct. And that's what we're rediscovering. We're kind of rediscovering that. But it's not because it's not known. Everybody listening to this right now, on the deepest level of their mind, knows this. It's right. just a matter of rediscovering. In the ancient world, wisdom was about rediscovering right. what you already knew. The Socratic Correct. method, the Socratic method, was about Correct. talking and drawing knowledge out of the soul. Correct. And 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 again, that's an important information. And and, and like you said, you know, African, you know, melanated people have always been, you know, nature people. They've always been in tune with the stars and the planets and the movement. 
Uh, it's just, again, we, we need to renew ourselves with it because I think there's a missing link in that. You know, unfortunately, uh, you know, some of these modern-day Western religions have, have, have gravitated some of us away from the realization of it because it's not talked about enough. Um, but I think that's an important concept. Oh, I um, do too. Yeah, very important. So what I want to do, Dr. Bynum, for the next uh, 30 minutes or so, uh, I know obviously we can't cover the entire book in a, in a short period. Uh, I know we've scratched the surface. We'll, we'll definitely be, be, be continue to talk about this on the next couple of times you come on. Uh, we're going to take some calls and some questions for you because i got some people waiting to ask you some questions. Um, and, again, before we do that, just to remind you, the book we are discussing, if, you, if you've just uh, tuned in in the last couple of minutes, uh, we're discussing the African unconscious roots of ancient mysticism and modern psychology. And again, to remind everybody, you can get this book at uh, innertraditions.com, or you can also go on to Amazon. Uh, you can get the Kindle version of it too, if, if that's your thing, reading it e-format. Uh, so that's the book we're discussing, and I would recommend everybody to further their study and pick that book up. And further your study, because so, the next couple of times we have Dr. Bynum on, we're going to focus on this book. So it would be, be nice to have the book, read it, do the research, and, and it will help us when we uh, present some questions to Dr. Bynum. All right, so we're going we're gonna to rotate again. If you are on the phone, uh, again, please unmute your phone. We can't hear you if it's not unmuted. Uh, if you have a question or a comment for Dr. Bynum, uh, you'll be able to ask that. If you're just listening, just, just say, I'm just listening, because some people are just, they'll, they'll just listen. Just let us know that. Uh, we'll rotate from online question to a phone call. We'll go back and forth to kind of keep it fair. Uh, not saying we're going to be able to get to everybody tonight. We'll try our best. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and go to the phone. So let's uh, bring in our first caller. We got Brother Jack Charles in West Palm Beach, Florida. What's up, Jack? Hello, guys. How are you guys doing tonight? All right. We're doing good, brother. That's good. That's good. Uh, Dr. Bynum, uh, thank you just for that. Uh, this is pretty much this, all the historical knowledge you know. It kind of, for me, this uh, this opened me up to understand like the mindset of uh, pretty much of, of our ancestors. You know, um, pretty much from your from your research, you think this all came upon like it was like a Renaissance period where all this information was as they were, you know, rediscovering this information. It was like New scientists was emerging. Was it all at the same time, or was it just spread out over a couple of hundreds of years? Like, how did how did it from historical from your historical research? How did this happen? You think was it was um, all the science that that emerged during that time period? During that, the, the you mean the uh, sciences that we've been talking about in terms of ancient Egypt? Yes. Oh yes, it developed over over centuries. It wasn't it wasn't like. Uh, in a, in, a, in a few dozen years. No, this was this was century and century and century, and the knowledge was accumulated and uh, taught very specifically uh, in in, the, in their uh, in their schools in their per onks or their their universities, which served as medical school and also seminary in many ways. And there were three different um, as you progressed as a student, male and female, by the way, male and female, as you progressed through the schools. There were three different levels. There was the initiate, and then there was a uh, a level in between that where you um, manifested your mastery of things. And then at the third level was you were a son or a daughter of light, you know. Um, so as you progress through the mystery schools, uh, just like you do today, um, 
that was the case. But the knowledge itself, whether it be in mathematics, astronomy, archaeology, I'm not archaeology, astronomy, mathematics, chemistry, or or general medical practice, uh, you were tested on that, and that knowledge was accumulated over many, many centuries. And it was written down in texts. Um, and there were thousands and thousands of papyri or texts. And unfortunately, we only have a few hundred. Most of them are lost to history. Hmm. And right. lost to the desert sands. But we do, we do have, we do have a, a, a few dozen um, papyri. And uh, interestingly enough, about half of them, at least the half that I know of, are, uh, are for, uh, quote, safekeeping, unquote, in different uh, libraries in Europe. <laughs> right, but the medical papyrus um, was not, which was not uh, exceeded until the mid nineteenth century in Europe. Um, the Berlin papyrus, the the ones that uh, contain the mathematical formulas for the pyramids and so on and so forth, those are all uh, in European libraries. Mm. But right. they're there. And, they're do, there. and do you think that? Do you think that from your research that? How much of this foundation of our knowledge from back then is pretty much like how much of it is taught now and just pretty much do they not do they pretty much just claim that information as their I know they claim as their own but like how much of that knowledge is claimed as their own is it pretty much majority of it or uh the the majority of it I mean uh, when you studied uh, geometry and and algebra uh, you know yeah. algebra algebra the mathematics was called algebra and when the Arabs took it over it was algebra algebra <laughs> uh, right. uh, that was that was uh you you studied that in high school and uh grade school but they didn't tell you that it came from ancient egypt was you if you looked at it close enough you could kind of figure it out and uh you know when you saw a triangle and then you saw huge triangles in stone uh made 2500 years ago in ancient egypt you could kind of figure out that this wasn't created by the greeks but all you hear about, the only name you hear is Euclid. Yeah, that's the only name you hear. Is that's Euclid right. and, and, and Archimedes. But the Egyptians mm. had that wheel that turned, moved the water 3,000 years before Christ. Archimedes didn't discover that. Right. But those are the only names you hear. That is called mental side, mental side. That is how you, you brainwash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's a phenomenon in uh, psychology and psychiatry called cryptoamnesia. It's a, t- it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a phenomenon. Cryptoamnesia is where you uh, know something, but then you forget it, and then you remember it much later, and you think it's your own. <laughs> now, now, question: Do you think it's called the knowledge? This is does this happen? How much of knowledge do we constantly keep doing that to? It's all the same thing, right? Like knowledge is. It's not nothing new. Everything has been around, but it's just... Well, no, 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 no. There have been been some advances. I mean, uh, the the knowledge base is not the same. It's greatly expanded. But I'm saying the basic uh, uh, roots of the knowledge were were, uh, uh, discovered and evolved in ancient Egypt. But there have been notable advances. I'll give you a concrete example. Um, uh, The mathematics of the ancient Egyptians... Uh, that built the pyramids, that uh, charted the heavens and so forth, was all based upon 
variations of the number one and the decimal system. Okay? Uh, and it allowed for a certain kind of mathematics. It was very good, very precise, and it's essentially pretty much the mathematics in most use today, but it's based on the number of number one. Well, in ancient India, in ancient India, they made a discovery mathematically, and that was of zero. And then with what the Arabs did when they advanced into uh, into India during their jihads is they imported the idea of the number zero, which made possible higher mathematics. Okay? So, mm-hmm. yes. So though there have been definite uh, 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 advances and, and uh, additions to it. I'm just saying that the basics were there. By the way, yeah. it, I, find, I always found it interesting that uh, in the Western world and in three Western civilizations, Christianity, Islam, um, and Judaism, there's the idea of the one God and that you merge, you try to understand or be with the one God, but you never merged with the one God. Whereas in the Eastern world, where they discovered zero, the psychology of the religions is to disappear into that. Yeah. Hmm? Disappear mm. into the zero. <laughs> yeah. As mm. opposed to be next door to the one. It's just a different intuition of the divine condition. Nice. Does that answer your question, Brother Jack? Yeah, it's heavy, man. Got it. <laughs> All right, man. Appreciate the call. Uh, thank you, Dr. Biden. Thank you for calling. All right. And, uh, and Dr. Biden, I'm glad you mentioned that. Like you said, the basic foundation of the knowledge and the information. And, and, and I tell people that all the time. It's it's nothing new. It's Like you say, it's, it's locked in our subconscious. It's there. We just need to be reminded of it. We need um, to be reminded of it, yes. Yeah. And that's that's so critical. But like you said, there's been advancements, obviously, to the now, especially when we deal with medicine and, and science. Obviously, that that's something that's always added on. But the, like you say, the core and the foundation of this knowledge and information is nothing new. But like you say, uh, people have gotten, uh, you know, spiritual amnesia. They've just forgotten all this, and they just need to be reminded that this, this core and this essence, it's always there. It hasn't gone anywhere. No, nope, just nope. We, we we need to tap into it. Uh, the next question for you, Dr. Byron, I'm just going to read it from online. Uh, this is from guest number four who is listening online to you. Um, and it says, in your research, have you found any kind of content regarding the many ideas of men, that many people talk about, some sort of artificial evolution, like some people will believe that we have evolved from apes or taking, I'm just reading this, taking psychedelics, or people who believe we've been meddled with by extraterrestrials? Uh, have you done well, any research? Well, there, uh, the first one, no, I haven't found any uh, evidence or support of that. Um, uh, the second one is at least an open question of uh, uh, have extraterrestrials in any way been involved with the evolution of humankind? And uh, there have been distinct periods in human history in which there has been uh, a dramatic change or uh, leap in the evolution that is not totally uh, understood. Now, uh, every time in the past there has been a significant change in human evolution, uh, meaning essentially the human uh, type 
has become more sophisticated, i.e. moving from the uh, pre-Australopithecines to the Australopithecines, and then breaking away from them to right. the uh, Homo genus, and then breaking out of the Homo genus to the Homo sapien, sapien genus, which is us, and so forth. Coincident with that has been a significant change in climate on the Earth. Right. A significant right. change. So whether it's due to that, whether it's due to some interaction with intelligent forces that we don't know about, at least know about officially, is at least at least an open question. And I have to keep my mind open. I don't sure. know about I, I for one don't know about any for sure direct engagement, but I don't think it's uh impossible. And right. I definitely believe, I most definitely believe that um, we're not the only intelligent species uh, in the galaxy. I definitely do not believe that. I don't Most have that kind of. I don't have that kind of arrogance. You know? Right. Well, let me let me ask you this, Doctor Byam. Um, you mentioned earlier when, when we were talking about the Dogons a little bit earlier. Now, the Dogons have recorded in their history. There's the story of the uh, of a group of bands called the Nomos. Yeah. Who they who they say came these were these were bands that came from the depths of the waters and came to the surface and you know it's recorded in their history that they intermingled with them and even copulated with their women um, and they have a they have a sig uh, a rite they do every sixty years or a sigi called the baldo rite confirming that they were in in you know in contact with these water bands or these intelligent bands that taught them about astronomy and the mystery of the stars. So, like you said, I just wanted to bring it up because there is some areas where there could, you know, like you said, there are possible um, possibilities of, of connection with, with yes. highly intelligent. Well, yeah. the, the, so. the, the uh, Dogon uh, talk about uh, uh, beings who came from uh, the depths. Now, we're assuming that they, many people, I should say, are assuming that when they talk about the depths, they're talking about water. Correct. Because they describe the, the creatures as amphibian-looking. Correct. And it's quite possible that the depths could also be the depths of interstellar space. That's because right. Because they identify those creatures mysteriously with coming from the star Sirius. Correct. And they, the Dogon talk, taught us about the 60-year orbit around the star uh, Sirius of uh, uh, Topolo and... Uh, 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 another star, the name is escaping me, but they knew about the orbit, the 60-year orbit, which one Correct. could not see with the naked eye. Correct. But they knew about it. You know, Correct. At least 600 years before the Europeans discovered it with the telescopes. But they described it and knew about it and incorporated it into their rituals. Also, yep. also in the Middle East, uh, Zechariah Sechin mentions this, that there is another uh, history of... Uh, of uh, contact or written contact with amphibious be amphibian-like beings from the star Sirius. Correct. Totally different tradition, but they say the same thing. Same. And That's right. And, and they find human women um, interesting and even copulate with them, which probably indicates that if this is indeed case, if this is indeed the case, then those creatures are hominid-like in some sort of Correct. way. Correct. So we know, we may be, and I'm open to this possibility. We may be a variation of a species that uh, inhabits many different worlds. Correct. I'm very I'm very open to that idea. 
I, I, right. I don't I don't find it philosophically uh, objectionable or even scientifically impossible. Right. Excellent point. And I'm I'm glad you connected that with the uh you know the Dogons and the Baldo right. They're very very important. All right, let's go back to the phone. We got our next caller uh on the call. We have the alchemist you're on the call. Do you have a question or a comment for Dr. Bynum? I'm just listening at the moment. Okay, we appreciate you listening. Thank you. Just to, just to let you know, uh, Michael, that uh, the phone is starting to get a little funky here. So if it goes out on me, I will go and get another phone and call you back, all right? No problem. Just to let you know. Gotcha. All right, let's go to our next caller. Uh, we have on the call Northwest New York. I believe we got Buffalo. You're on the call. Uh, how Hello. you doing, Dr. Hi, Byron. <laughs> hi, hi, everyone. <laughs> you Basically, doing, I'm listening and washing dishes at the same time and listening. Um, <laughs> That's all right. But um, I do have something to say, you know. Um, being that, let me turn this water off. I'm sorry. Because the conversation is awesome. Um, with us being on this floor, like, right, um, is there anywhere, because I'm looking for it, where it says that um, we are actually on a plane and that um, we're not in, on a globe and that we're, uh, well, the way I look at it is that we're on a plane and that we're not on no ball, you know what I'm saying, and but the electric magnetic energy that forms around this plane to protect us, to keep us sustainable uh, is there any, because I'm, tra- I'm been looking for this, any books that can confirm that this is not a ball and that this is actually a plane of land or, you know, surrounded around electric magnetic energy that keeps us uh, firm and this plane? Okay. Okay. Mike, you're going you're gonna to have to translate that question for me. I'm not sure I understood okay. it. Says your phone was it's a little yeah just see your phone was a little it's a little muffled we could hear you but it kind of sounds like it's muffled can you just repeat the last part of your question I couldn't really hear it either okay I'm sorry well what I'm asking is is there yeah, uh, any information where you know because I've been working you know I, I haven't completed my research I'm just watching videos you know relating to the Bible and you know some of the physics and everything is claiming that we're actually on a plane of land or lands and that um, the electric magnetic, magnetic energy forms around the land as a globe to give it that effect, but it could be a circumference of a round area or just a wide, uh, vast area, like huge land. It's not necessarily perfectly round, and I just feel that we're not on a globe. We're, we're actually on a plane where a, electric magnetic energy is swarming around it, which keeps us fermented on this plane. Uh, I That's just my observation. My um, yeah, I, I, hear you. Yeah, I, hear you. I, I I have to confess ignorance. I don't know anything about that. Um, oh. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I do uh, know that we are deeply involved uh, with the electromagnetic uh, spectrum because uh, our our physical bodies, made of uh, matter and uh, particularly water and so forth, is highly uh, responsive to the electromag- uh, certain parts of the electromagnetic spectrum. Um, 
And I also know that we uh, interact interact with electromagnetism. Our brains mm-hmm. do. Our brains uh, vibrate with the earth according to certain frequencies, the electromagnetic uh, 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 spectrum. Uh, that's called a Schumann resonance. Uh, and, I also, and also, uh, we feel the electromagnetic uh, spectrum. We literally feel it. What holds our physical world together, uh, chairs, tables, and so forth, is all mm-hmm. a matter of electromagnetism. Mm-hmm. And I also know that we're engaged deeply and intimately with the, uh, um, uh, with the gravitational field. So the, of the four great forces in nature that we currently know about, um, the strong force, which is, holds the inside of the atom together, the weak force, which accounts for radioactivity, which together make the electromagnetic force, mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, and the gravitational force uh, we interact with. We don't interact with what's called the strong force inside of the atom. We don't feel that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't feel what's called the weak force but we definitely feel the electromagnetic force and we definitely feel the gravitational force. All you have to do is walk up and down the stairs and you feel the gravitational force. One small thing I might add about the gravitational force is um, when you feel gravity, you're also feeling uh, the curvature of space-time. And that's important because um, in Einstein's relativity, uh, ma- uh, matter and energy are interchangeable, and uh, time can be compressed or distorted. And when you enter into certain states of meditation, or you dream, or you do any kind of spiritual travel, you're actually interacting with the psychogravitational field, the electromagnetic field and the gravitational field in certain kind of intimate ways that aren't completely understood. Okay? So again, when you feel the force of gravity... You're also feeling the the warp of space time. I just want you to think so, about that for a little bit. Wouldn't that be just like uh, the gravitational hole? Wouldn't that be just like magnets? Like, okay, since we are uh, electric magnetic energy because we're made up of everything, wouldn't we be considered like a magnet? Maybe uh, we are connecting with the magnetism of the planet. Yes, that you are. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. But my point is that in addition to the magnetism of the Earth, uh, and the Earth is a geodynamic uh, system, uh, and the electromagnetism of the Earth, you're also interacting with another force, which is the gravitational force. And at some level, gravity and magnetism come together in our direct experience. Gravity and magnetism, electromagnetism, come together in our direct psychological experience. And, that, you know, you need to think about that for a while because it has enormous, not only scientific, but spiritual implications. Thank you. I will. All right. <laughs> Hope that answers your question, sis. Yes, thank you. All right, thanks for the call. All right, Dr. Biden, uh, question online. I know this is kind of uh, uh, skipping a little bit in, in the... Uh, book. Uh, this is, I believe, from chapter four. And this, I, I will talk about a little bit. I kind of wanted to get into this uh, next time, but uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about it. But somebody's asking if you can elaborate a little bit on 
uh, I know this is more of a detailed topic, but we'll kind of maybe finish with this, the Kundalini and, and its connection to African mysticism. I know we've talked about this uh, in, in the, you know, other book that we discussed with you um, in, in Dark yeah. Light. In Dark Light yeah. Consciousness, yeah, I tried to talk about that in explicit detail very quickly. It is an enormous subject. Kundalini mm-hmm. is the coiled life energy, the, the coiled evolutionary force itself, the coiled right. evolutionary force itself that is symbolically represented as a serpent. It is symbolically right. represented as a serpent. And the, the, the crown of the pharaoh of, of Egypt uh, have a serpent coming out of the midsection of the brain, which represents the pineal gland, the gland that used to be an, an ancient, uh, our history uh, of our species and before our species, it was a vestigial, vestigial eye or third eye. And over time, it descends further and further into the skull over, right. over eons and eons and eons. But it is literally an eye. It's sensitive to light. And when you awaken by various spiritual means, that force and make it ascend through the spinal line till it reaches the pineal gland and the beyond, that is when you become a, quote, uh, son or daughter of light. And that was the whole purpose of the, of the uh, schools, uh, mystery schools in ancient Egypt. And that is what the Uraeus is, the Uraeus serpent. is to awaken that. And ancient Egypt uh, it was called the Uraeus. In uh, India, it was called and still is the Kundalini energy. Correct. But it's the same Correct. thing. One last thing I want to point out about that is that energy is very, very, very intimately related to neuromelanin in our body. Mm. Neuromelanin in our body. And why? Because it absorbs light. It absorbs light and it transduces that light to higher and higher and more subtle forms of expression. Correct. So in in, uh, dark light consciousness, I tried to explore in some fairly detail how that actually happens. The darkness becomes the light and how that works in our bodies and our brains very specifically. And it is the ancient science discovered in ancient Egypt and then carried over to India and then much later into Greece and Rome. It is, and everybody knows about it because when you go into a physician's office, you see a, a staff with two serpents coiling six, seven times around until it reaches the top. And there... It, it sprouts wings and it becomes a bird. That is the medical conducive. Right. That was the symbol of, ancient, of wisdom and awareness in ancient Egypt. Correct. So that, that is, in a nutshell, that Kundalini is involved. But again, it's in, solar logos. It's very intimately connected to the darkness that covers our inner brain. It is mm-hmm. The surface of the brain is dark, folks. That's right. And why is it dark? Because it transduces the light it comes off from the from the body, the different organs of the body, which, by the way, are covered with melanin, by the way. Your right. heart, your lungs, your stomach, your GI tract, your pancreas, all of those are covered with, on the surface with melanin. And when that spiritual force is awakened, it draws those energies from those organs toward the spinal line and then up through discipline till it reaches the top of the skull where it is awakened. That is the whole point of the spiritual techniques and that's what I, I touch on very briefly in the chapter on Kundalini uh, and the spread of mysticism in, because the ancient African traditions, particularly in West Africa and East Africa and South Africa, are filled with this phenomenon. They're filled with this phenomenon. 
the, the Kalahari Kung people, they do techniques to awaken this energy. They do it in West Africa. It is the basis of Vudan, the real Vudan, right. not, that, not that Hollywood nonsense that you see. I'm talking Correct. about the real religion. It is That's the right. basis of the religion of ancient Kemetic Egypt. It is the basis of yoga, picked up in ancient uh, India and then carried on into Tibet and China. Correct. In South America, it is the same phenomenon. Why? Because we're all the same deep down. Yeah. And, it, and it's in our bodies. It's in your body and my body and the person who's listening to this right now. It is in your body. And the name Correct. of the game is to awaken it. Not be afraid of it, but to awaken it through discipline of various kinds. And there are different disciplines. Uh, Correct. But it is related to the melanin and neuromelanin of your brain, spinal line, and your organ systems. Correct. And definitely we're going to get a little bit more into that on, you know, the next time you come. And especially like you said, you just mentioned, uh, you know, voodoo or voodoo, uh, a lot of the West African traditions. Uh, and, and I'm not saying this is, I'm, I'm not saying that European folks are, are, are kind of shy away from it. I find a lot of uh, American black folks uh, have misinterpretations about that. They, I they, know. And they, like you say, they have the Hollywood interpretation of it because they, they've been influenced by, you know, this, these foolish concepts that you see on the Internet and, and, and it? on the media. It's been very – the propaganda war has been very successful, hasn't it? It's oh, made, big time, yeah. It's made, it made black people afraid of their own genius. Exactly. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, I agree. It's great. It's, it's a brilliant it's, strategy. It's worked. It is. It did. Uh, all right, let's see if we just get a couple more calls for you, Dr. Byron, before we let you go. I've got a few more calls. I just want to see if we can squeeze in maybe two or three more phone calls sure. for you. All right, and then we'll let you go. Uh, we got a call on the line from Illinois. You're on the call. Illinois. Yeah. Dr. Byron. Uh, just listening, bro. I'm sorry? I'm just said listening. Said okay, just, just listening. Thank you, brother. Thank you. All right, let's go to Central North Carolina. You're on the call. Do you have a question or a comment for Dr. Bynum, Central North Carolina? Uh, yes. Can you hear me? Yes, yes we can hear you clear. Excellent. Thank you, brother, so much for texting, texting me tonight. I have one quick question. Sure. Basically, what I'm hearing is nature is a major part of reawakening what you have forgotten being a part of nature. Am I correct? That is correct. Okay. One major thing that I have found that works really, really well, I dig a pit. And during certain times of the month, I go down in that pit for four days. The pit is as deep as I am and as wide as my arms stretch out and I sleep and it's phenomenal the awakening so I'm just you know this is just information that I've used and I've benefited greatly from doing that out in the woods so give thanks give you thanks. are so knowledgeable brothers give thanks this is Mama AZ calling you from High Point North Carolina thank you Yes, well, it's interesting you should mention that. The ancient uh, Kemetic Egyptians uh, had a ritual, a ritual of initiation in the Great Pyramid in that uh, the, the, the person who was to move to the highest level, they would come deep mm -hmm. into the pyramid with the priest and the priestesses, 
and they would lie down in the absolute darkness of the mm-hmm. of the uh, pyramid um, with its echoing chambers, and they would lie in the tomb. They would be there for a while, and mm-hmm. during that tomb, they would have a psychological death, and they would leave their bodies. They had an out-of-body experience. It's called dissociation mm-hmm. in psychology psychiatry, and they would be renewed, and they would come back reborn, i.e. resurrected, reborn, mm-hmm. and their net, their spiritual life, deeper spiritual life became uh, uh, dealing with an earnest. So you're mm-hmm. sort of like, you're sort of touching on that, uh, in your own uh, process uh, and ritual that you've rediscovered, the, there's a we don't have time now, but there is a whole psychology of being able to leave the body for a period of time and travel in precise ways that the ancient Egyptians knew about. That is the only place we know about that in the Western world is locked in the archives of psychiatry. And psychiatry makes it a pathological state. It is not a pathological state. It is a capacity that human beings have. And in particular, it seems like African people or African and dark-skinned peoples in in India have greater or easier access to it, probably because they're more psychologically open to it. Probably because they're just simply more psychologically open to it. But there is a whole phenomena. And I spent a considerable amount of time in the book Dark Light Consciousness in Chapter 1, I believe, going into detail about that, the capacity to do that. Because all of us are going to experience that. You listening right now in the audience, you're going to have an experience like that uh, in full measure at the time that you finally leave the body, i.e. when you die. But you also periodically have that in your sleep, in your deep dream sleep, where you leave the body briefly. And you also have that in crisis states. Like if you un, uh, uh, unfortunately are in a, a, acute pain or you're in an accident or something like that, you briefly physically leave the body, okay, and then you come back to it. The yes. ancient Egyptians discovered how to do that precisely, and during their initiations, that is what the neophyte did, and then when they came back, their true spiritual life began, Okay. So this has a long, long, long history. And that is why the inside of the pyramid uh, tombs are, have the pyramid texts, which are all about solar travel and yeah. travel to other worlds. That's not uh, 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 you know, mumbo-jumbo. That's what the West wants you to think it is. No, these are precise star maps based upon the astronomical knowledge of the external universe and the psychological knowledge of the inner universe, and they reflect each other as within, so without, as above, so below, the hermetic philosophy. So don't let this be taken away from you. That's right. Don't let that be taken away from you. Give thanks, brothers. Give thanks. Give thanks for giving me this confirmation. I've been doing this for 30 years, and my guides have been are ones like Chief Joseph, Black Elk, Chief Frank Fools Grow, and many others. There have been many others. I'm sure there are many others, and there are probably many others who are there helping you along that you don't see. Check out out research on called Initiation in the Great Pyramid, and you will find historical confirmation of that also that goes back thousands of years. Yes, thank you, sir. Yes, thank you. All right. Thank you for the call, sis. Appreciate you listening.
That, that's powerful, Dr. Brian. I'm, I'm glad you shared that information, and then um, that definitely we got to elaborate uh, more on that on your on your you know when you come back on and get more into the Kundalini. So I think we're going to stop there. But that 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 was a, a great way to close it out, which you just broke down. Um, that's some powerful information, and I hope everybody listening, uh, this has left an impact on your psyche. So you go research this, and again, before you go, um, Dr. Bynum. Um, you let them know where they can get your books again. I'll, I'll, I've let them know, but I, you, I think you prefer to say Inner Traditions is probably the best place to go to get most of these books. Well, Inner Traditions is 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 the book is the uh, well. You can always get all of them from the internet and Amazon. Correct. But Inner Traditions, Inner Traditions is where you get the book Dark Light Consciousness. And again, because I have a medical and psychological background, I I, I I tend to present this in some depth and detail, clinically speaking, because I want folks to know that this is based in medicine and science. Right. Not only history, but medicine and science is today. So dark right. light consciousness is from the uh, Internet or from the publisher Inner Traditions. The African Unconscious uh, is uh, uh, from Cosimo Books, uh, but you may not be able to remember that. So if you just go to the Internet and order uh, or, or Amazon.com, the African Unconscious under my name, you can get a copy there too. Uh, the yeah. emphasis of both the African unconscious uh, talks more about the psychology and the history of medicine and background all related to uh, uh, this uh, African notion uh, about the unconscious. The other book, it talks about the actual, the actual physical and psychological methods and techniques for awakening that spiritual energy that we talked about earlier with the ancient Egyptians. So they're really companion pieces. They're really companion pieces. And um, you may get some uh, uh, criticism from folks uh, reading it that you're focusing too much on the science and the medicine of it and not enough on the politics of it. I think it's very important to know about the medicine and the science. I agree. The medicine and the science about it, and not only the politics and the history. Correct. And, and again, that's why we love to have you on here because I've always said, and I'll say it again, I think that's an element that's always missing in, in this knowledge and information is the medicine aspect of it and the scientifical and the psycho psychology. That's, that's always missing from this. And, you know, I just for whatever reason, well, there's probably many reasons that we've discussed tonight. Um, and, and I think you, you put it together so well um, and, and it connects it all. So again, we appreciate you coming on as usual always a pleasure and we appreciate the information that you share with us that we appreciate the time that you spend with us and i will definitely be in contact with you and we'll definitely set up your the next time to get you back on here and then start with the kundalini and get a little more in depth with that and uh and we'll we'll, we'll start from there but i definitely appreciate you coming on dr Byron. well i enjoyed very much talking to people and because this is this is my life's passion and my life's work and any way i can uh, disseminate this information that is part of my calling all right. Appreciate it, Dr. Byron. You have a good evening. You have a good one, too. All right. Thank you. All right. Well, there you, there you heard it. Uh, Dr. Bynum again coming on and, and uh, sharing with us uh, various information. And, again, if you missed where well, you can get the book, uh, I see some of you have typed in. You've actually got it while we were online, which I, that's good. I guess some people already have gotten the e-version of it. But, yes, uh, it's available at Amazon.com. There's a uh, Kindle version of it, uh, e-versions of it. Um, it it's, it's very easily accessible. Um, 
I know we've talked about, uh, you know, dark light consciousness. I wanted to kind of focus on this book too, because this is uh, a book that kind of ties in, uh, you know, the historical aspects uh, along with the psychological, the science, um, which I think uh, it, we need to balance and, and the overall essence of all that put together to kind of put this jigsaw puzzle together to get a full grasp of this information and this knowledge. So, again, we'll, we'll get Dr. Bynum back on uh, when his schedule permits. We'll, we'll contact him and see when we can get him back on, and we'll continue our discussion on his book. Uh, okay, so now we're going to move forward to the last portion of our show, um, so don't go nowhere. Um, we are now going to continue our discussion on the, the path to self-mastery. Uh, I'll make sure I got my brothers with me now. We have uh, Brother Ravana Noon, are you there? Brother Ravana Noon, are you there? Yes, I'm here, brother. All right, brother, couldn't hear you. Cool. Well, let's make sure we got the Sargidi here. Hey, brother, Sargidi. Are you there, brother? Sargidi? Yeah. All right. All right, so yeah, there you brothers heard it. Uh, just to get you a take real quick, brother, uh, Ramana Noon. Well, what did you do? Uh, a lot of this information is on point, of course. Uh, Dr. Bynum always does a great job of elaborating and giving further information. Um, he uh, goes in-depthly, scientifically, uh, historically, uh, you can, it's psychologically, he hits all the parameters that is necessary for people to really understand. Um, and he actually takes it a little further than most people do. And so far as he tries to unify the masses of people instead of using things to divide us as many other people do through uh, their doctrines or teachings. So I feel that a lot of the teachings were on point and, um, it's always good to have him on the show and uh, hear him elaborate further on his books. Right. Now, something that we always talk about, brothers, uh, and, and also in, in Dr. Bynum's books also, but something we always discuss on the show, uh, you know, the techniques and the practices, the you know, doing these different exercises, um, that's key because we, we can't stress enough. Uh, you can study and read all this this knowledge from 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 the various uh, scholars and elders and, and information that's been put out over a long period of time. But, again, if we're not applying any of this information, and that's something that you're going to hear me say a million times over, it becomes pointless. Uh, so you have to actually, uh, you could call it discipline, you could call it doing the work. It's all connected. But the, these things have to be put into practice for a change to occur. Because, like we've talked about, and we get this the, the constant question on the show from listeners and, and in conversations, you know, when when will we take it, you know, or when will we go to that next level? And, and, and as we discussed before, uh, the path to self-mastery, uh, that, that answer differs, differs for every individual. It's not one specific answer uh, to that question. Um, you will know when you're at that point when, when change is starting to manifest within yourself. Um, it's, it's not something, like I said before, that you're going to read a manual and you're going to have some book. And after you read that book, all of a sudden you're, you're some self-appointed, uh, master guru. That's not how this works. And we keep stressing that. Um, and I'm not saying that that's how everybody thinks, but unfortunately, uh, you know, as we've discussed, uh, that that's going to vary from individual to individual. Um, and that's based on the level of spiritual work 
that you do. We've talked about um, on this show various different aspects of it. We've talked about spiritual magic. We've talked about ancestral magic. Uh, we've talked about various different forms of meditation, uh, in-depth studies of the subconscious mind. Um, all of these uh, systems and tools and levels of information is is very important and critical for us to study and master um, in order to see that change. Um, again, it, there's no time frame on it, and I tell people that 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 kind of ask that question. Don't put a time frame on it. Uh, you know, it's something that you gotta. You know, what you put into it is what you get out of it. Get point blank. Um, so if you're not putting anything into it, it's it's not going to happen for you. You got to put something into it. So, uh, brothers, maybe we can elaborate a little bit on uh, what I want to discuss for the rest of the evening to close out with is this path to self mastery. Um, putting in work, uh, the spiritual disciplines, uh, the various different methods, and there are many, um, that we need to do consistently to kind of bring about this change, if, if uh, brothers want to elaborate on that for a little bit. Sure, of course. Uh, it's always important on the path uh, of your own path to find what best works for you. There's many different methods out there and techniques that one can utilize, but what's most important is to find what's best for you, what makes you feel comfortable, what makes you feel good. And that right there is what helps uh, a person on their trap on their travels. Right. Because one of the things that we seem to forget is that um, there is no one path for everybody. And Correct. we have to get out of that illusion, whether it's African traditions, uh, Dravidian, Indian uh, traditions, Native American traditions, Asian traditions, whatever the case may be. We have to understand that it's not one method or path for everybody. So you have to basically really dig deep and find what works best for you. You have to find which meditation techniques works best for you, which That's is right. uh, one of the best um, methods to find yourself and master yourself is meditation. You have to find what mantras, chants, hikau, words of power, whatever the case may be, works best for you. Uh, sound is very important because sound helps uh, actually transmute uh, your DNA. Uh, you have to find what diet works best for you. There is no one diet for everybody. And whoever tries to tell you that is delusional and deceiving themselves and, and you. Uh, you have to find also... You know, what uh, exercise, whether it's yoga, tai chi, or things of that for body movement, body work, you have to find what works best for you. There is no one method, and when you understand that, you will realize there is no right or wrong on your path. There is only what you figure out to work best for you, which means that you may try things that may not work. It doesn't mean it was wrong or bad for you. It just means it wasn't in vibe or unison with your your frequency. So always understand that it's important. It's important to really get down to the nitty-gritty on your path. Another thing that is very important on the path of self-mastery, that people bypass, that is dealing with your dark and your light. 
And Correct. society in this world, all we like to deal with is the light, the light, the light, the light. Everything is so light and so beautiful and so merry and so lovely. But there's a dark side to everything. And you have to understand that. You have to really understand that there's a dark side to everything because this world has taught people to run from pain, to run from hurt, to run from those things. And realize this or not, those things can teach you just as much as something as wonderful as the light or anything else you choose to call it. Those things can actually help you grow and transform more than you ever could realize. But because because we don't understand that, because we run from that, we uh, are really doing a disservice to ourselves. And that is the most important thing that I think that people forget on their path is that you cannot bypass that side of yourself. That side of yourself is just as important as anything else. And you don't turn a blind eye to it. You don't run from it. You don't hide from it. You don't ignore it. You don't meditate it away, although that will help you deal with it and confront it and go into it. What you do is you have to actually sit there and understand why it exists in the first place, why it's there and why it's a part of who and what you are. And if you don't do that, if you don't take the time to really do that, then what happens is that you will eventually lead yourself to a state of delusions. And why we use that a lot on this show is because people do not understand that without confronting these things, you will never truly grow. Growth really occurs in the chaos more than it does in the peace, but people don't understand that. The world, the universe, whatever you want to call it, was created in chaos, not in peace. That's right. So understand that, and I want to read this part uh, right here from Emerald Tablet, uh, Personal too, Alchemy. I mean, that's too complicated, brother. That's too complicated. <laughs> yeah, it is, brother. That's a complicated book, Alchemy for Personal Transformation. And I'm going to read this part right here uh, because it's very, very, very important that people understand this. Uh, it's important because it's going to really go over what I just stated, and that is, and it says, and let me, uh, see, now I keep losing the part. I just had the part, and I lost the part. Hold on, now. Come on, brother. Get it together, brother. Get it together. Getting it together. I'm getting it together, brother. Okay, it says, <laughs> as sentient beings, our only advantage is to live on the edge between yes and no, in the chaotic zone where only intuition knows the way. So finding truth requires using our minds and following our hearts, which is why the alchemists sought to develop a feeling intellect. That is why they meant. That is what they meant when they wanted that, when they warned that the alchemist could transmute nothing until he had transmuted himself. At that point, the alchemist opens him or herself fully to feeling and experience. Right. Now understand this. You have to open yourself up fully to what you're feeling and to what you're experiencing. Ignoring it, hiding it, running from it, sweeping it under the rug is not doing you any any service. You're doing That's a right. service to yourself. You have to live fully in the moment of what you're feeling within that experience. 
And that is the chaotic energy. A true spiritual and mental alchemist uses chaotic energy to transmute themselves to a higher state. No, no, brother, chaotic energy is evil, brother. That's yeah, right. Yeah. For those who are afraid, it's evil. For those who are scary, it's evil. Because on the path to self-mastery, you can't be a wuss on this path. you got to be a straight-up warrior for yourself, for yourself, right. to be able right. to combat and overcome all of the things that you've been hiding since you were five, six, seven, and on to today. No, brother, you you have to you you don't have to feel pain, brother. You can avoid it. Brother. Well, that's that's the fairy tale people. That's the people who want little fairies to come to them and spank them on the booty. <laughs> that's right. that's that's right. the people who have to always say, "Oh, well, you know that that." That's not real. Pain is not real. It's not a part of nature, really. And if it's Absolutely. not a part of nature, then why the hell do planets experience pain? They grow, <laughs> they grow, they expand, they contract. They birth, but, they get, they die. Is, All these things are part of the natural process of life. So to look at these right. things and say and feel that it's not a part of what is a natural part of life, then you're lying to yourself because you're living in the Hollywood fairy tale reality that some coon made up for you and said, well, as Egyptians or as African people, we live in a utopia. Bullshit. Let me tell right. you something. We've been fighting on this planet since day one, and we've been loving on this planet since day one. Why? Because that is a part of the reality you live in, which is this life that we created based upon the illusions of duality. That's and right. when you understand that, you understand the one thing, this earthly mundane existence, this physical world, then you will realize that the one thing is within the one mind. The one mind, whatever you want to call the one mind, God, creator, universe, the one mind and the one thing are the same. So whatever exists here exists in the one mind as well. Chaos exists in the one mind. Why? Because chaos is necessary for growth as well as peace is necessary. So if you do not understand these things, then you're lying to yourself and you're going to keep lying and you're going to keep living in a delusional mindset that That's right. you can just sit there and float into the clouds and some spooky, spooky aliens are going to meet you. And they're going yeah, to break bread with you, and you're going to sit at a round table, and you're going <laughs> to just be taught. You got the you're going to be taught yeah. 76 trillion years of knowledge. You're going to go back to the earth, and you're going to be the master of heaven and earth, but then you're going to be That's religion. That's straight yeah. religion. Well, what, what, what I want to throw in there, when you mention pain, let's be, let's be clear on this. See, I think when some people hear that term, we're not just talking about physical pain. We're talking about emotional pain, pain that you're not subconsciously conscious of. When we, when we address and we talk about the trauma, like you said, we're talking about addressing the whether you want to call it the chaos. And this is why we use the, the, the archetype representation of the deity set or set or satuk, however you want to pronounce it, that floats your boat, because it represents that energy. And this is an energy because people – you know, only, again, like to gravitate towards shit they like. And I got I to gotta keep it 100 here because people will gravitate the same thing when it comes to dealing with Egypt and spiritual consciousness. They'll gravitate towards Osiris and the things that they like. That, that kind of really connects with a level or, or a mindset that they just left being monotheism. 
and we talked about a couple of shows back how people leave that certain mindset and come into spiritual consciousness, but subconsciously they haven't given up that same way of thinking. And and I find that these are most of your you know your revolutionaries, your you know down with the white man people, uh, but they think like the white man, and they don't they don't they're not subconsciously aware of it. Now something in relation to this chaotic energy, which I wanted to also point out briefly. Um, this is a book, uh, A Dictionary of Egyptian Gods and Goddesses by George Hart. And the very first sentence, I think this speaks volumes. It says, Seth or Satuk is the god of chaotic forces. Now, here's the key right here. Who commands both veneration and hostility? I want, I want, somebody, I want you to marinate on that for a quick second. This is what we're talking about here. We're not, we're, it, this is a representation not just of, like, like we were just talking about a minute ago, of everything that's peaceful and loving and positive. This is a representation of that internal war that, that's going on inside of us on a daily basis. This is the, the experience. The moment that we're talking about or the now is a representation of these chaotic forces. Now, we talked about on previous shows tapping into the unlimited potential because we know in order to have organization first, you have to have chaos. Because out of chaos and confusion comes organization. So chaos just represents, get out of your mind, the triggering thought when you hear the word chaos, you automatically, if the mind starts to connect it with something negative, then you don't understand what chaos really means. Chaos just means, we talked about this, and the same book that Brother Ravana Noon just read from, uh, Dennis William Huck's The Emerald Tablets, Alchemy for Personal Transformation, talks about to really understand and grasp this, you cannot define anything or put a, a limit on it because by doing that, you start to create other gods, other concepts, and you take away from the essence of what, what, the, what the whole thing connects to, meaning chaos has no boundaries. Chaos has no... Uh, uh, limits. Chaos has no beginning, no end. It represents unlimited potential. So we first have to establish, get out of your mind when you hear that word, that it, it, it associates with anything negative. That's part of the programming process when we deal with surface information. And you even heard Dr. Bynum talk about it earlier, that there's a concentrated effort to indoctrinate people on certain levels mentally, and this this is one of many. So when we hear that word chaos, we've got to get out of our mind that it has anything to do with anything negative. And this is why, for an example, when people study Egypt and they study the different deities and the archetype energies that they represent, people shy away from deities like Satuk or Apaphis because they don't know what it represents and what it means because they still approach it with the same religious mindset. Oh, well, I'm, I, I'm told that Set would be a representation of the devil. See, that's, that's Christian influence that we have to completely rid out of our mind. Don't bring that into higher states of consciousness and tapping into the subconscious mind. You will never grasp the path to self-mastery. So we don't even like to use that term because there is no such thing as the devil. But when you take that concept and you try to cross it over into higher states of consciousness, that's what the Emerald Tablet or the, out, or the tablet for personal transformation is warning us against. When we do that, we create other things, which creates other things, which gets us further and further away from the very core essence of what the tablet, for an example, or the, or the rubric of the tablet was trying to express on this path of self-mastery. And 
If you also notice, Dr. Bynum mentioned the doctrine of correspondence several times tonight. He mentioned two aspects of it, as above, so below, but also within and without. That's, that's the key. So when you're reading these stories, and we talked about it earlier with the Osiris story, it's a representation of the spiritual conflict, good and bad, that exists within you. These were outwardly stories that were recorded as a representation or a visualization for you to grasp onto to understand the inner workings of the mind. This is what this is talking about. So, brothers, when we talk about pain, I want to just be clear moving forward because I know when people hear chaos, the mind's programmed to go to negativity. When people hear pain, the first influx of thoughts might go, are we talking about physical pain? There's emotional pain. There's even spiritual pain because, as we talked about before, yeah, there's, a, there's a lot the of cool, forms of pain. That's right. Kundalini is not always a positive spiritual experience. So there's spiritual pain too that connects to the physical. Let's let's elaborate on that. That's that's an interesting point. Many don't understand there are different forms of pain, and most, of course, all pain stems from the mind. That's first and first. First and foremost, that's where all pain originates. It originates in your mind. It originates in your mind usually as a form of neurosis. Then it exists in your emotions as emotional pain. Then it manifests itself physically. <clears throat> and, um, you know, we've been taught in this society you don't want to feel pain. Stay away from pain. Pain, you know, not just in this society, actually in other societies too. You know, stay away from pain. Pain is bad. Pain, pain is the devil. Pain, you know, you got you have pain in your arm. That means a demon is in your arm. You know, in certain cultures. Oh, you, you, your, your foot, your foot's going bad. You're cursed. It's evil. And sometimes these different forms of pains are just expressing themselves to you as forms of information that you've trapped inside of yourself. That's right. Through certain experiences. You, and we, we do it a lot. A lot of times when we get frustrated, what's the first part of our body that starts aching later on? Our backs, our upper backs. Frustration exists in your upper back. This is why we have pain in that area a lot, most of us, because we don't release that frustration. We hold it. We hold it inside, and it create that blockage. But understand, on this path, if you're afraid to experience pain. You know, anger, different things like that. You're not gonna get too far. Trust me, this path is not for the weak at heart. And you know, a lot of times, to be honest, most people don't like dealing with what they call "quote unquote" negative shit because they don't like to deal with their own shit. This is why they say I'm avoiding negativity. Positivity. You see it on Facebook all day. Stay positive, 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 positive. You can't be positive all day. That's an imbalance. <laughs> that's not reality. Uh, and that's, anybody, that's a good point. 
anybody that tells you to be positive all day is a fucking loony, a loony man. <laughs> That's all I wanted. That's all I wanted to say for now. Nah, bro, that's a, that's that's an excellent point. And, and something we want to stress too. And me and me and brother Ravana know we're talking about this uh, yesterday or the other day. And we just want to be clear on this. We we bring guests on this show uh, not because we agree with everything that they teach. I just want to stress this. This is a very important point. And we actually had discussed that. We will make sure we also make this clear uh, before every show. Um, we bring guests on this show just so you, the listeners, can get a broad spectrum of the level of information that's out there. So I just want to make that clear. We don't bring guests on this show because we agree with everything that they teach. Um, we do believe, well, I don't want to use the word believe, but we do accept the reality that everybody has something to offer and um, you can grasp levels of truth and, and, and everything that people are saying, but that, that level of truth, you have to come to the realization of it for yourself. So we want to be clear on that. We don't, you know, agree with everything that every person that comes on this show talks about, but that's not why we bring them on the show. We bring them on the show so the listeners can make that decision and hear what they got to say um, and come to the conclusions on the information for themselves. So, we, we that's why you always hear us say we don't subscribe to, you know, one way of thinking or or we're not promoting any organization, we're not promoting any group, we're not promoting any one individual as the exclusive teacher on spirituality because that that way of thinking has gotten us fucked up for many years because I call them the conscious pimps and there's too many conscious pimps out there. Uh, and I told everybody those days are over. That day of I am the supreme leader and you under me bullshit, that's over. That day, if you fall for that game in 2015, you deserve to be taken advantage of, used and abused. So the days of the Louis Farrakhan, Dr. Yorks, Yahweh Ben Yahweh's, if that's the bullshit you still want to be up under, then that's entirely up to you. But we're telling you here in this day and time, 2015, the only spiritual master you need is yourself. Because these Negroes ain't telling you anything that you can't find out on your own. So we wanted to make that clear, uh, crystal clear, I hope. Um, this is why we do what we do, and that's why the show is called Awaken the Universal Minds, because we want you, the listener, to always be the governor of your spirituality. Don't never put your, your, your soul or your spiritual consciousness in the hands of another. That can be very dangerous. Um, it goes into other levels uh, spiritually, uh, you know, dealing with magic and things of that nature. So you, you really got to be cautious of that. So we just wanted to make that clear. Brother, um, brother Sidnet is our new spiritual leader, brother. Okay, listen. <laughs> but, hey, to each his own. And, again, hey, I ain't knocking nobody's hustle. You want to do what you do. But all I'm saying is don't get upset. If we don't agree with your ideology, that's see that's where the problem comes in. People tend they cool with you until you start questioning their ideology, and then they start getting upset when you may not agree with everything that they're saying. And like I say, everybody is entitled to reject or accept whatever they want. That's their that's their sole right as a living, thinking, intelligent, you know, being. That's their right, but it's also an individual's right to refuse it. And don't get pissed off if you can't defend your doctrine or your information because when you get emotional about the shit, then that means your your information is weak. And if I can get into your emotions, then 
spiritually I can go to work on you and break you down in every fabric that needs to be broken down spiritually, mentally, and emotionally. So, oh, some, you know. Something, something that I wanted to add into it. It's something interesting that I found out recently. You know, um, I thought this was very interesting. I'm reading this. I'm reading this book. It's called Things Fall Apart. I don't know if you ever read it or heard of it. No. <clears throat> but uh, it's about this, you know, it's about this guy named Akonkwo that lives in a village in Africa, you know, and uh, it's a whole story about, you know, him trying not to be like his father and different things like that. But something that I thought was very interesting in this book is what they was what they were saying about the belief system. Like, you know, the um what tribe is this? It's a tribe in Ghana. I can't think of the name of the tribe that the book talks about. But this tribe, you know, they have a belief certain belief about ancestors and gods and spirits and stuff. What was interesting when the Christian Christian missionaries went over there, <laughs> you know, they were still trying to, you know, use their ancestral spiritual system. Something interesting that happened was when they tried to push their beliefs on the Christian missionaries, it didn't work. You know, when they when they gave the Christian missionaries land in the forest that they call evil because they thought something bad was going to happen to the Christian missionaries. Nothing bad happened to them. But the point of that is your belief system is literally in your mind. That's right. It's all in your mind. And that's that, that's an excellent point. Actually, somebody just typed in uh, Brother Sargidi and – yeah, you are correct. I remember stumbling across that book years ago, but Brother Mike uh, sat that in a type saying it's, uh, I believe, the author is Chawana Archibee. I believe I, I stumbled across yeah, it years that, ago. Yeah, that's the guy. Yeah, that's his name. Yeah, the author. I remember briefly, I have very little about it, but now that he typed that in, um, yeah, that's a book that, and again, it's a good book to show the mental condition and how psychologically they can mess with your emotions. Um. That's something that, and, it, and, it, and it it also shows how sometimes you can believe in something so much that it deludes you from the rest of reality. Correct. You just basically explained every religious person on the planet. <laughs> Pretty much that's in a basically. nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> And that's see, that's the thing. That's a powerful statement. That's what people don't realize. You can believe in something passionately, and the key word is believe. Okay, you can believe in it wholeheartedly. You can live by it every day. That necessarily don't make the shit true. And that's a reality that people don't want to accept sometimes because it takes them out of that comfort zone. And it's just easier. And it's funny because Dr. Bynum was talking talking about earlier how Western society, for an example, you know, you have European scholars today professing that the Greeks were the, were the first ones to, to, you know, institute all these high levels of knowledge and medicine, et cetera. And it wasn't, the Greeks never hid the fact that they got it from Egypt. It's just this propaganda that's always put out there, you know, promoting them first, you know, but that doesn't mean that it's correct. And this is what people don't understand. It's the same thing in dealing with information. Like we talk about the chaotic energy, 
and chaos and the deity Sethus took just because you've been taught and programmed that is negative because they do the same systemized mental psychological bullshit on your brain when they teach you about Egypt because they, they make you or convince you that you're under the illusion that you left one wrong way of thinking, but now you're in a higher state of consciousness because now all of a sudden you identify with Egypt and you put on a dashiki and some Egyptian musk and a nice big-ass ankh and you read the Book of the Dead. Now all of a sudden I'm not religious no more. But like we said on the show, did you go into the inner depths of your subconscious mind and really address the impact that that Christianity had on you? Because there's aspects of it that you're not conscious of that you see on a regular basis. But those that are trained spiritually and are really raising their vibration up, we can look at some of these motherfuckers and tell that they're just hiding behind the dashiki and the big-ass ankh and the nice-smelling oils. And we can really see that on the outside, they might have changed their physical appearance. They look spiritual and holy. But on the inside and on the inner workings of the mind, they're not thinking any different than they were when they were a spooked-out Christian. That's what we're trying to get people to see when addressing these things that they're not addressing and trying to sweep under the rug, act like it doesn't exist. Because some people go into these different uh, cultures and schools of thought to, to run away and hide from shit because they think by masking it up with spirituality or religion, it's going to make it go away. And I know, Brother Ravana, I know you got some shit to add to that. But I just wanted to be clear what we talked about, Brother Ravana Noon, about bringing people on the show. Um, and I know we had a brief discussion on that. So uh, I don't know if something you probably want to add to that, too. Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> let's put it this way. When, um. When we talk, I'm talking about Benidi, myself, uh, Asar, myself. When we talk, we always share things that we notice within conversations we have with people, with social media, with just different things. And the reason why we do that is because, not because we think we're greater than anybody, not because we think we're on some hot shit, which we don't think any of that. That's right. The reason we really go over and discuss a lot of these things on the show is because when you have traveled these paths as long as we have, you look back and you look at the idiotic bullshit that most of us are still conditioned to accept, to live by, to do, to act like, to behave like. And let me tell you, it's really sad. Really, really sad. And what I mean by that is this. We can have a thousand books in our library. And trust me, Asar, Beniti, myself, we have more than a thousand books each in our own personal library. Probably that or more. We've read more than that on PDF files and all kinds of things. But who cares? Because at the end of the day, it's just a book. And a book has limited knowledge and limited information. You can read a thousand books. You can practice what is written in the books. You can create your own shit. You can give us your personal experiences. But that doesn't mean that you're some hot shit. It just simply means that you've read a lot of books. 
That's all it means. And I say that because, you know, you can hear from many people's mouths or from words written on a computer screen or from videos or whatever the case may be, that when you look at the state of a lot of people, you can see that the mentality is still screwed up. That's right. What I mean by that is we're so quick to diss another race or group of people. That's right. And then we're so quick to quote we're so quick to quote the same books that we just dissed. Right. Now what's interesting about that is I can quote you a thousand books. Asar can quote you a thousand books. And Beniti could quote you a thousand books. You can diss every one of them. But what's funny is that I bet your ass will find a way to get right back around to reading those same books that we just quoted. <laughs> and why is that? It is simple. The biggest problem that I think we're facing as a people is overbearing, egotistical, bullshit, arrogant mentality and attitudes. We always want to be better than somebody. Hebrew Israelites want to be better than than the, than the Nuwapians. The Muslims want to be better than fucking, you know, the Christians. The Christians want to be better than everybody. The Buddhists... The, R, the RBGs want to be better than everybody. Yeah, the Buddhists think they're the holiest. You know, whatever. I, the shamans think they're the most rooted. I don't care what it is. People always want to be some hot shit. And that's like nobody... Nobody could just be regular. Why can't you just be a regular person? Yeah. <laughs> Why can't you just be somebody who reads the books, takes some classes, maybe has a teacher, whoever, whatever, and just learn and grow and just be a, a person who's just growing? Why do you have to be the center of it all? Why do you have to be, you know, an incarnation the big, the big of title? Why do you have to be... You know, an incarnation of you know. That's right. What's, what's this? The state, the the state pub. And new brother, and new brother, and new. Yeah. Why do you got to be the incarnation of the Michelin tire guy? I mean, which what is it? You just can't. You just can't be a regular person who just sincerely and honestly wants to grow, transform, and master themselves. That's it. You have to always be some hot shit. You got to be the next level master. Nobody knows shit but you. We can't figure it out without you. And that's bullshit. Because let me tell you, what is the purpose of sharing information with somebody? There's only two things that usually I notice comes out of people's mouths. One, you're sharing information because you want to seem like you're deep in some hot shit. Or two, you genuinely care and want to just share information and hope that that person get, gets a spark from what you're sharing. Now, what I notice is that in the latter, which is the last part I just said, there's very few who really sincerely do that, just want to share information without all the props. Yep. But there's a majority of people who want all the props. You know how I can tell? Because these are the niggas who are always on Facebook and every day, 
every day they're saying, you know, I'm the divine truth or, you know, I'm self and self and love self and I'm the love of self and I'm self this and self that and I'm self pussy myself and I play with my ass and I'm self master. My fingers master, the, you know, all this stupid shit. At the end of the day, okay, you love yourself. But goddamn, you love yourself to the point that you fucking obsessed with yourself to the point that you getting overly ridiculous with yourself to the point that you just went right back around to where you used to be before you even got some knowledge. Selfish, rude ass. You know what I'm saying? Dumbass. Well, I mean, because now you're so smart that you're stupid and dumb and selfish, but in a different way. You understand? Yeah. Then you That's have right. other people. Oh, you got to use herbs to twitch your booty hole, and then your booty will grow magnificent. <laughs> you got you to gotta light the, you gotta light some weed and stick it under your breast so you get bigger breasts. Or, you know, some stupid shit that you hear people say. They just can't be regular. You know, I go on Facebook maybe once every three, four days, post something, and then I'm out of there. I don't have time to care who says this, what this, here, buy my this, or, yeah, you know, the business here. You know, then you get the financial gurus, right? These guys want to sell you everything in life and, oh, you know, invest here and you'll be a millionaire. And them niggas can sleep in outside of 7-Eleven. They be broke as hell, too, trying to sell you some shit. Yeah, they're outside of 7-Eleven in a tent. But they want to give you (laughs) some advice on how to become a millionaire. Yep. And, and, and it's funny, brother, because they, Facebook is like the playground for the ego, man. And and like we've said, we like we've said on this show, man, we just use social media. Like you just said, brother Ravano, you know, you go on there, you share some information, you go out every couple of days, and that's it. If we use like we're using this tool right now, where we're doing this show, we're using it as a tool to reach the masses, to teach and educate, and share information. See, if we used it in that context, then that's it. We we would be okay, but unfortunately, YouTube and Facebook don't bring out the good in everybody because then you got your, you know, people sending you pictures and posting shit of them sitting at the beach on rocks and meditating, you know, all this dumb ass <laughs> shit. You know, uh, people having uh, some, somebody shooting a picture of somebody with their aura lit up, you know, just dumb ass. <laughs> Benini, that's what I call Photoshop gurus right there. That's- yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Photoshop. And, and, but like you said, no, bottom line, you hit it on the head. It's, it's, it's sad, and, you know, because in, in, in the context of it, nobody, like you said, just wants to be themselves. You could call it regular because some people, you know what that shows? That these are people that are not addressing the chaos potential or tapping into the inner depths of their mind because, they're not comfortable with who they really are. So to escape that reality, I'm going to convince myself that I'm an incarnation of Tehuti. And I'm going to post it on Facebook because since I can't accept the reality of who and what I am and that I have all the potential like Tehuti or Asar or, or any other Egyptian deity and the energy it represents, I'm not comfortable with me accepting my gotcha because we all like to say we're gods. We throw that shit around. But really, do you really live up to that term when you say that shit? What do you really mean when you say that? Because I'm so tired of running into these conscious Negroes. What's up, God? What's up, Godness? <laughs> you know what I stop and ask these fools now? Do you really know what that means other than you just saying it to sound heavy and deep? 
What does that really represent to you? I don't want to hear some shit you read in a book. I want to hear what it represents to you in your own words, in your own mind, and in your own thoughts. That's what I want to hear. Because I am so tired of that sounding heavy wannabe mumbo jumbo. You know, and you know, and these you know are your people. Yeah, you know, these are you know your what's people. funny about it. Go ahead, bro. Well, I just want I just want to add this on. You know, what's funny about it is I used to be like that. I used to go around saying to God, "Shit, yeah, what's up, God? What's up, Goddess?" You know, and it's funny. The more and more I grew into myself, the more and more useless you it know became. holding these big titles became. That's right. You know, because it, 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 at the end of the day, it really doesn't mean shit to the life nope. that you live. You know, exactly. you, you're living life every day. You shouldn't use these titles as an escape, you know, to not deal with the reality, re, the reality that you're stepping into every day. And, and you hear us all talking about it, like like Ravana Noon was saying, like you're saying, like I'm saying. I know, I know we're clowning about it. We like to have fun with it. But, it, but when you really look at it in essence, it, it, look at what it represents. That's the fact of the matter, that people do these things to run away from them, true, from their true selves. That's it. Now, they may not be conscious of it because you might confront one of them and say, they'll be like, oh, no, that's not the case. That's not what I'm doing. But remember, we, we have the subconscious mind and the superconscious mind. We're not talking about what you're conscious of here, okay? Let's make that crystal clear. We're talking about the subconscious mind feeding off of the conscious mind, and then we're talking about how it affects the higher self or the superconscious mind. This is the inner workings or the inner alchemy that you hear us talk about on the show. When we say alchemy for personal transformation, this is what we're talking about. You've got, you got to transform that old way of thinking. It doesn't work. When you hear us talk about on the show, you must reprogram the subconscious mind. This is what we're talking about. We have to change the way we think. Change will not come if we don't. Because no matter what system you cling to today, and you think that it's the solution to your problems, like the Moorish bullshit. And I keep telling people, and I'm bringing that up because I had a conversation with some fool today, and he wants to sit here and, and, and quote all these governmental papers and the friendship and peace treaty, and I just simply squash the conversation with something like this. Do you got a driver's license, brother? Yes. You got a Social Security card, brother? Yes. Okay, nigga, you're not indigenous. You're not a Moor. You have no sovereignty. So, so how are you going to preach to me? Hey, hey what, what about the Moore's brother that got killed by the yeah, police yeah. recently? Yes, and where are all the Moors coming he, to? That nigga, that, nigga, that nigga was sovereign. What happened to all this status shit at that time? Well, there's your proof in the pudding right there. That's, that's my whole point. I don't see not one group of Moors coming to that brother's family and, and coming to his aid. And, and defending that in a legal system. Here's another system of indoctrination that doesn't work. That's a great example, Brother Sar. And if you're not familiar with that story, go look it up. There was a so-called moor that was just killed by the police not too long ago. And let's see the weight of that sovereignty shit that it carries. See, this is all paths that people throw in our face that lead us to the path of self-destruction under the illusion that it's your sole salvation. This is the shit that we're talking about. People think we criticize the shit and we're going in hard on it and we're being negative about it. No, we're just, hey, we ain't say the truth is always pretty. 
We're giving you the reality of it. All we're saying is if that shit is reality, let it stand on its own too. It can't. So don't lecture to me about being no damn more when your ass still got a driver's license and a social security card and you're still in the system, but you want to charge Negroes $500 to give them a naturalization package and tell them they're going to be out of the system and be sovereign. Come on, man. Stop the bullshit. Let me me share a story with that. Let me share a story with that. <laughs> I met I met a lot of people in my and journey and travel. And some of those journey travel landed me in places that I really didn't like. But however, being in there, I learned something. Every every person that was let me put it this way: everybody that I ever met who was locked up. Was a more. <laughs> and let me tell you, every one of them niggas is still in there right now. <laughs> they haven't caught the sovereignty boat yet. <laughs> now I'm talking about these niggas were masters of UCC. They masters of the Moorish doctrine. They masters of it all. They can Damn. run that shit in their dreams. They can tell you why you're sleeping. Every little law, every little thing. But they're still locked up. <laughs> <laughs> so is that in a sovereign prison, brother? <laughs> at the end of the day, these fools are still there, claiming sovereignty and still locked up. Let's go figure. Now, if that's not some yeah. real crap, I don't know what is. You know, you know something interesting about that too. Every more I met that claim they have access to this trust fund thing, they're usually broke as hell. Every more, every more that I met that ha- that says they had they have access to this trust fund thing, they're broke. Correct. And what you want you want to know the sickness of it? Here, here, here's all I need to know. I don't even go. I, we don't even need to go into that depth with them. These are the same fools that don't accept that they're black or African. We're not black. We're not African. We're Moors. These dumb assholes don't tell you that is a Latin word that just simply means black, Morenos. That's it. So how are you going to sit here on one token and tell us we're not black or African, but then you're going to use the Spaniards' interpretation because you're on some damn treaties with the United States government and the very word you're telling us that we're not is what that word you're calling yourself actually means. That is the most ignorant. Anyway, I don't want to waste my time and energy on that. But it gets back to the point. Let's talk about self-mastery. Okay, those paths are not going to get you to self-mastery. It's going to get you to the path of self-destruction. And that's the reason why we're addressing those things. Because myself, Brother Ravana Noon, and Brother Sargidi, we get the most ridiculous emails. I couldn't even, I don't even want to read to you on the air. And we get the dumbest questions. And we get a lot of good emails. Don't get me wrong. We get a lot of positive feedback. But I'm just speaking now on some of the most ridiculous stuff that people come with. And these are the same people that profess to be gods and goddesses. And that's why I brought up that concept. I So I question now, when people make that statement, what does that really mean to you? And I'm just speaking in general to everybody now. What does that mean to you? 
because I'm starting to see that to most people, they either don't understand what that means or they have a, a, a very twisted and warped concept in their minds. It doesn't, again, it doesn't mean because you braid your hair and you wear a dashiki and some African jewelry that doesn't make <laughs> you a god or a goddess. Okay, I got to stress that because I see a lot of, I see a lot of, uh, you know, internet and book conscious people. That's it. But then when you pull them aside privately, you start having a conversation with them and start to get, start getting into uh, high levels of spiritual consciousness. It's empty. There's nothing there. It's just surface information. It's shit that they were told, stuff that they that they remembered or rehearsed, stuff that they were programmed with. But can we get people together in a group and say, let's work a spiritual magical ritual that's going to invoke the presence and the energy of our ancestors? Let's work that. There's too much debating and intellectual nonsense that goes on amongst us. You know, why are we not focusing on our higher sciences that's going to actually bring about the change and change the energy? Okay, because we can sit there and, and, and gather in D.C. For the, for the next Million Man movement and think we're going to affect the planet, but the white man's laughing at you. So you will get these Negroes that day again. We'll make them feel like they did something. We'll let them gather in D.C. again. Let we'll let them get illusions. Let me tell you something. I, I was at Howard University when the first Million Man March was there. Let me tell you what happened. <laughs> I was there attending Howard, and I went to the Million Man March. Nothing happened. Let me repeat that. Let me repeat that. Nothing happened but a bunch of rhetoric and a bunch of money being made off of ignorant-ass Negroes who thought some great transformation was going to happen because we had a Million Man March. Nothing happened. And what they're going to do again this time around is the same thing. Get some money off your dumb asses pocket themselves, Farrakhan going to be even richer. He's probably a little broke right now, so that's why he's doing the Millman March again. He needs a little money for his lavish lifestyle. Of course. And nothing is happening and will happen from that. You really want to change something? Why don't we get a million Nubian people to drum, dance, meditate, and chant for a whole day or weekend and see how you really change some shit? That's right. But they won't do that. No, nah, brother, we, we, need the, we need the whole tap in March, brother. Yeah, they they rather go to our whole tap and salam alaikum and pass the bacon shit. And <laughs> not once, not once, not once will you see anything come out of that. And if you believe that there's something coming out of it, you're still as unconscious as you were now that you're claiming consciousness. I was there. I was there when it happened years ago. So there's nothing you can tell me. I've seen it. And what has come from it? Not a goddamn thing. Negroes are still in the same position. No, but it's a, it's, a, it's a good point. It's just, again, it's something to stroke the ego for a day or two, and then you're feeling good. You know, I feel all black and African and shit. You know, I'm over here <laughs> down with whitey and all that rhetoric, and I'm feeling good for 24. And then guess what? Your miserable ass comes back home to your whack-ass job and your pathetic <laughs> life, and reality kicks in like a motherfucker. I'm just being real. Don't think you guys are going to escape for a day or two and chant Ungawa Black Power and Assalamu Alaikum and Hotep Brother and, and Peace God and, you know, 
So this is again all part of that illusionary system. What, what about what about the niggas that tell you don't work for the white man, but you know they don't have any out for you. They say don't work for the white man. You know you don't support his system, but if you start working at your job, you don't have any income. But here's 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 what I say to that Negro. Real simple. <laughs> Real simple. And I got I, I had one nigga tell me don't work for the white man, this nigga's on welfare, but that's a whole another story. Um, to the Negro that says that, be like, brother, you got your own land. Where does this brother get gas to put in his car? If this is the same brother telling you this that goes to the supermarket to buy groceries, if this is the same brother that's paying rent to a landlord, okay, he is in the system supporting the devil. Just because he ain't working a job for the devil Whatever money he's getting on his own or thinks he's getting on his own, guess where that money's going to? That's the same nigga that's at Walmart. That's the same nigga that's at Best Buy buying electronics. That's the same nigga that's waiting online for the new iPhone 6, and he's going to spend $500 on it. But it's the same nigga that's going to turn around and tell you, you got to get out the system and don't work for the white man. Listen, you ain't never going to be out the system. You are never going to be out the system until you are on your own land, growing your own food, living 100% completely off the land and not dependent on the white man for anything, including natural resources, water, et cetera. So let's stop the bullshit, okay? Yeah, it's, it's crazy, that, you know, and I've come across, sadly, I've come across a couple of Negroes that spew this philosophy. They say, you don't, you don't need to pay your bills. And in my mind, it's only one or two things going on in their life. Either somebody taking care of your ass <laughs> Or you're a fucking bum living in a in a fucking box. That's right. <laughs> and the reason why the reason why we use the word negro, remember, the Greek word negro comes from that word necro, which means dead. So when we're saying negro, we're talking about these mentally dead folks. Okay, that's it. So we gotta get out of all these systems of of measuring people by because they don't work, they're irrelevant. Okay, we got to realize we're living in a day and time where a lot of these systems that people are trying to promote do not fit the day and time that we live. Okay, and that goes for our wannabe Muslim brothers. That goes for our wannabe back in ancient Kemet and ancient Egypt brothers. Those same systems of reality are not in place in 2015 in the United States of America. So we need to, again, as we've said on this show, we need to update that information and bring it into now time, not live back in the past. Oh, say, say, say that again, brother. Update the shit. Stop wearing fucking costumes, walking around looking crazy. God damn. damn. I, I, can't, I, I can't. I don't know what to say when I see these niggas walking around looking like a Christmas tree with fucking onk hats on and shit. Like, God damn. Nigga, you in 2015. Well, there, there, there goes somebody again that has to profess outwardly that they're spiritually conscious. Now, again, let's not get it twisted. I just want to be clear. It doesn't mean you can't have pride. It doesn't mean you can't wear your hair natural. I mean, that shit is all good. That's not what we're saying. But there are those that just go to the extreme, like you're saying, brother, the Christmas tree people. You know what I'm saying? The Christmas tree people, you know, they just got to be, they got to overdo it. You know, they got to have on the metallic, shiny, you know, it's like, damn, nigga, you're blinding me. You know, but these are the people that are not comfortable. Again, they have disturbed souls. 
they just feel the need outwardly that I have to profess my Africanness to to just an extreme that's ridiculous. And and again, this 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 is again what we're not addressing when we're not dealing with the with the trauma on the subconscious mind. That's part of that. You may not think you say, well, how the hell is that connected? That is the soul crying out for some type of attention. But where, where is the origin of that energy for that attention coming from? That's what you need to tap into and figure out. You know why I'm saying that? And, and we could all relate to this because we did that shit at one point. We felt at one point, I got to have all these Egyptian symbols on, and I got to wear this type of robe, and I got to present a certain type of look because if I don't, then I'm not projecting my outwardly consciousness on everybody else. But you know what? You hit it on the head earlier when you said, as you get older and when you get more in tune, those things just become irrelevant. Because yeah, now, it's ridiculous right. walking around wearing costumes, calling yourself a god. I mean, think about the society that you live in, for example. That's right. You're in, you're in North America. You're walking around Monday through Friday looking like a Christmas tree. You got the onks on. You got all the fucking gemstones wrapped around your arm and shit. What about the part-time, the part-time African conscious dashiki wearer? The same nigga <laughs> on his off days, you know, on his off days, he's African and cultural. But then this is the same hypocrite that goes to work at Home Depot the next day for the white man. But he's out, he's out preaching black consciousness to your ass and telling you how you need to separate from the cracker. See, that's a sickness, man. That's a damn sickness. And we need to address this shit because it's, it's, we're, we're being enforced. It's promoting systems that are not real, man. I'm sorry, that shit is not real to me. Don't, don't take it personal, but this is how we approach this because, hey, look, ain't no shame in my game. I, I do what I want to do based on what I want to do. I know that sounds crazy. Say it again. I do what I want to do based on what I want to do because I want to do it. Not because I want to do something because everybody else is doing it. You know, I'm not into that whole, and none of us are into that whole one systematic way of thing. Because remember, as long as it's not in excess of moderation, this is why you need to be on this diet, brother. It's the only diet. You need to follow this doctrine and this information. It's the only That's all bullshit. You need to follow yourself. Yourself in the sense you know what you need in moderation. That's the path of self-mastery, not somebody telling you what you need. How can somebody tell you spiritually what you need if they can't get inside your subconscious mind and feel the thoughts that you feel and tap into your own personal energy? Because like we said, it's not trying to use Egypt and all these different cultures and practices as a cover-up because you're uncomfortable with the, who the fuck you are in 2015. Stop trying to use that as a cover-up. Correct. Most definitely. Brother Vaughn, I don't know something you want to add to that, brother. Uh, let's see. <laughs> well, simply, I go back to the same thing the way I said at the beginning. And I'm going to use something that Buddha shared once. He said, stop trying to become and just be. Mm. Say that again, brother. Stop 
stop trying to become and just be. And now let me let me elaborate a little further because some of us are not <laughs> some of us are not intelligent enough to understand that. So, um, let me elaborate. Here it is. You're going to hell, brother. You're going to hell. (laughs) What it is is this. Simple. Everything that you already want to become in your mind, you already possess all those qualities within you to be that. So how can you become anything other than what you already have the qualities to be? If you allow yourself to be and just bring forth the qualities you possess, you can just be that and not try to be more than what you already are and try to be some guru and try to be some master rapper and try to be some master DJ or try to be a general of what army, I don't know, but try to be something. You know, you try to be everything You're trying to become everything than what you already are. You already are and possess all these qualities. So just be that. And stop trying to become something that you don't need to try to become. You possess it all. But that's the problem with our minds and our realities and our state of being is that we always feel like we're not good enough. So the only way to change that reality is to try to be something else because I can't be good enough. I'm not good enough because why? As we started off this part of the show, because I run from my bullshit. I run from my chaos. I run from my pain. I run from all these things. But if you learn to just deal with that and you have the power to be the master over all those things, then you'll always try to create an alter ego or another reality than the one you're really living in because you haven't dealt with what you should have dealt with, which was your bullshit. And once you deal with your bullshit, there's nowhere to go, then you just be. And you're content being that which you are. You're content. You're happy. You're not seeking to be, uh, you know, master uh, alchemy, junior six six twenty five thirty, whatever. You're not seeking <laughs> to be. You're not seeking to be the master of heaven and earth. You're not seeking to be, you know. Uh, what about master nine, brother? <laughs> yeah, master nine, the uh, incredible Magus. You know. It, it, you you want to be a magus now, and, and you want to be a fucking magician, and you want to be a fucking man. When do you just be yourself? You know, you always got to possess a title. That's a that's a sick mentality. I always got to have some title to make myself feel better about my bullshit. So I'm gonna end up being a general of, of a fictitious army you know, that is so pro-black and profound, yet shit sets off and you can't find these fools anywhere. Come on, man. Let's be real now. Because I don't because I don't thrive in a society, now I have to switch it up and I have to be the pharaoh of ancient Egypt now. Yeah, or I have to attack the very society that I'm failing in. So to hide <laughs> my failure, 
I have to diss the hell out of the society I live in. <laughs> because it's convenient bullshit to do that. And that's the part that people are failing to realize. You have to just get to a point where you do the work to deal with your shit and be the master over everything in your life within yourself. And because of that, you will learn the truth of self and you will not always be seeking to be something other than what you are. You'll stop looking outside of yourself for all the answers and realize that the answers are within. You will start living life from feeling and intuition and be fully in the moment of that experience and stop trying to run from the experience because it might hurt my feelings. I might get hurt. Well, let me tell you something. If you're afraid to get hurt, you don't need to be in a relationship. Period. If you're afraid to get hurt, don't look at yourself in the mirror because that's the first person that hurts you is yourself. Okay? You, know, you, you, know, you know what's funny about that? You know, these so-called player niggas that walk around that think they're players. These are the same niggas that's afraid to get hurt. Oh, I got my heart broken one time. And they're trying to act all tough like, yeah, I'm a player. You a soft ass motherfucker. I have four wives, but I'm on welfare. Yeah, Yeah, that's my favorite. I got four names in my welfare. That's my favorite. Yeah, and, you know, I'm I'm, I'm real sexy and, and, and just the shit. But, you know, the truth be told is I'm really running from myself because I'm the master failure of relationships. So to mask my failure, I'm going I'm to just get these four women who are really being deceived. And they, and so they I probably have, I have they five minded women and lift them up to make them feel like they're queens and goddesses, but they're stupid and gullible enough to let me play each one of them in the same household, in the same environment. But, no, that's okay. Oh, yeah, but, you know, brother, that was our culture. That was our time. Well, if you really want to get to the truth of it, how about if you go back to certain tribes in Africa, the woman had more than one mate. Oh, you don't oh, want that shit. Oh, oh, shit. oh, shit, nigga. It just got quiet. It just got quiet. Yeah, Kendra. Kendra. Oh. Nah, see, they don't want that now. That nigga run from that. Oh, no, she can't have more than one man. Why? Why? Okay, so then they'll give you the scientific explanation. Well, that's because then you won't know who the father is. Yeah, but if there's four dudes in the house, you know which the father is. One of them four niggas. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the problem, nigga? Oh, you don't like that because you can't stick the penis in multiple women. Yeah. So that's the problem right there, because you want to be a whore. See these uh, more than more than one wife niggas. They don't they don't want to be real about it and just admit they just want some more pussy. That's it. No, but but some some Ravana Noon just said is 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 powerful. Let's back up a second. Before polygamy was practiced, you can go look this shit up. Since all all of you um, master Google teachers, uh, go look this shit up. And I want to back up on something Brother Ravana Noon just said. The woman having multiple husbands was practiced and predates polygamy in any other culture that came after it. Could be Africa, Egypt, Islam. You can go back to Dravidian cultures in India where that's a normal practice. In ancient Dravidian cultures where the woman had multiple husbands. So I simply say, just like Brother Ravana Noon said, if you got that brother, yeah, you know, I got four wives. Well, what, what, how would you be? If if you can if a man can have four wives and a woman can have four husbands, 
heard a pin drop in this motherfucker. It got quiet. That's the reality. And we've addressed that shit on this show. You know what that's about? We call it the doctrine, not the doctrine. These are your same people, your same brothers that belong to these organizations and are up there, the black woman's God, the black woman this, the black woman that, blah, 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 blah. Lowing your ass to sleep with that rhetoric. And I simply say to those organizations, where's all your black female teachers if you say the black woman is God? You're not representing what you're saying. All, so all, they're, doing, all they're doing is feeding the, some of these sisters' egos, get their ego all big, and then they, then they prey on them pretty much. Well, they're prepping them, brother. That's the mental prep. It's exactly what you just yeah, that's, said. That's what's called grooming. They groom them. That's, they exactly. Groom them exactly what they want them to be. And how do we know this, brothers? Let's tell them how we know this. Because guess what? We did that shit at one time. When we were in our stupid, ignorant mind state, we're telling you this not because we're analyzing it from an outside perspective. We're telling you this from personal experience. When we were in that ignorant mind state when we were younger, that's what we did. Are we ashamed to say it now? Hell no. Because that's addressing your bullshit. I hope you're getting the point now. Now, if we just pretend like that never happened and we never did that, then we'd be hypocrites. Then we're not advocating the same things we're claiming that we teach and that other people need to address too. That was one of our bullshit that we needed to address. And now we are mature enough men to go, that's why we really did it. Did we really do it with the intent because we believed that bullshit we were saying? Hell no. We did it because we were trying to get in the female's pants. Ain't no shame in the game. That's the reality, though. That's called addressing your bullshit. Okay? It's, 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 it's no different than at one time everybody was promoting that the black man is God. It's the same egotistical bullshit. Same shit. Guess what? All, I, all we got to say to that, this would be addressing your bullshit, too. I simply say to those people, for anybody that's still caught up on the race thing, and you've heard many guests we've had on the show, this doesn't mean we're saying we love white people and we need to embrace all of them and we need to hold hands and run butt naked through grass fields. That's not what we're saying. That's not what we mean. But we are saying this. It's a mind state. It's a lesser manifestation of yourself. Here, here, real simple. And we've said this on older shows. Go back and listen. If you're still stuck on that, the black man's God and there's a black God and there's a white Caucasian God and you're still caught in the whole religion debate and, and God and the devil and black and white, you're never going to get anywhere. And all I simply say, it works the same way that these black organizations, be it the Nation of Islam, it could be the Nuwapians, it could be the black Hebrew Israelites, okay? The same way they question the white man's religions, be it Christianity, and say that it's built on spook gods and superstitions and faith and belief and myths, and, and it's, it's not true, and, and their God is a false God, this and that, and the white man is the devil, blah, blah, blah. Well, all we got to do is turn around and ask the same simple question to somebody that believes that they're in tune with this original black God that they claim they have a spiritual connection with, say it's the black Hebrew Israelites. It's the same system or the same way the white man thinks. It's no different. And all I ask is a simple question. To this day, I get, a, I get tons of emails, people dodging the question and giving me every answer but the right answer. I simply ask them, if you're, for example, a member of the Nation of Islam, 
if you're a black Hebrew Israelite, a Nuwapian, or whatever the hell you are, or you believe in this whole black God versus white, white God thing, I simply ask you, what was the purpose for your black God creating the white man? And I never get an answer. I only get rhetoric on in their doctrines of how they believe genetically the white man came about. That's not what I'm asking you. Stop sending me emails giving me, well, you see, Yakub was in the backyard with two magnets. <laughs> rhetoric. I see the Kenyanites in the book of Genet. Rhetoric. <laughs> I'm not asking you genetically how you believe, according to your doctrines, how the white man was genetically created. That is not the question. I'm not asking that. I don't care about that because that's all still religion, faith, and belief, and none of it can be 100% proven. So I'm not asking you that shit. I don't care. I am simply asking you, if you are recruiting me for your God or your organization or you say you have the truth and your supreme leader knows everything and, 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 and this, is the, this is the path, the way, all I'm asking you is, if that is the case, the very thing you are recruiting me for to fight the white man, your God is responsible for creating. I can turn that same psychological bullshit around you. So now you want me to pledge my allegiance to this black supreme God, and then you want to tell me we got to do battle and overcome the white man. He's the devil. Well, shit, Negro, who created this devil? Who created this white man? Well, who allowed him to be created? This same fucking God that you recruit me for. How come nobody wants to address that shit? See, when I say that, I get attacked. Oh, man, well, you see, you know, you don't understand. See, brother, but. No, 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 there's nothing to see, brother. Why, why understand nothing, nothing? It's a simple <laughs> question with a simple answer, but I'm not going to give you Negroes the answer. You need, to come to the, you need to come to the answer yourself. Because if I give you the answer, it'll be in my words and my realization, you need to raise yourself up to the reality of the answer to that question. Yeah, you've got to so, sign up for Benini's and, class. Yeah, 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 you've got to sign up for my class. And, and then after you take my class, you're going to be transformed into a spiritual baboon. So, yeah, you got to sign up. That's the whole point. We got to stop this. That, that, that's the problem where we're stuck. We're stuck like Chuck. And see, we can't get past that because this is what keeps us trapped under the illusion that we're spiritually growing when actually we're not. So don't – That's why we say for, for these comedic Negroes, answer this question. If you're so much against white people – and you say the comedics were against white people, why did your ancestors initiate white people into the mystery system if they were so prejudiced? Right. And here's, here's on that same note, I was just watching, you, you mentioned earlier, House of Consciousness. I was sitting there watching this shit is comical, man. I mean, oh, really, yeah. just it's funny. It's funny you mention them. When I, when I want to get a good laugh, I turn on that shit. Well, here, here's the funny thing. Speak, speaking on that, the same thing you just said, and you can get some budded popcorn. It's like watching a sitcom and shit. <laughs> you have this brother, Shaka Akmos, debating with this other brother, some Hebrew Israelite clown. And he listen to the, listen to the contradiction now. I want, I'm painting the picture. You can go pull this up for yourself. Here's somebody saying the white man's the devil, the white man this and that, the cracker this and that. And then he's doing a PowerPoint presentation and naming all these white authors and white references and directing you to all these white research systems 
telling you to prove and confirm what he's saying about Egypt is true. Let me say that again. While he's doing that, he's sitting there preaching how the white man's the devil, but he's using the white man to advocate and validate his concept of Egypt. Now, if you can't see, if you can't see the mind fucking that, then you're stupid. And like I said, you need to be taken advantage of. You need to be used and abused because people don't see that part of it. People just like their egos to be fed. They like to feel good. They like to just feel like they were just told something because now they can walk around and say, yeah, you know, I'm in this situation because the white man. I'm a poor-ass broke bum. I have no money. It's because of the white man. I'm not successful in my it's because of the white man. Don't you see that that's, that's what we're talking about? You've got to address your bullshit, okay? That's bullshit right there. Address it, conquer it, get over that shit, and move on. Stop the bullshit, man. Stop selling us this pie-in-the-sky shit. That's no different than the white man telling me, you need to get into my church, and, and Jesus is going to come out of the sky, and the rapture is going to happen. There's no different. So stop poisoning us with that mindset. And just because you sprinkle some black Afrocentricity on it doesn't make it true. Don't leave the Bible and then join the black Hebrew Israelites and paint all the characters in the Bible black. Now all of a sudden the shit is true. See here, brother, see King James was a black man. I mean, do you know how stupid that sounds? I mean, really? <laughs> Anybody really ever stop and, and, and yeah, have a dumb remember, remember years ago, King James was a white homosexual, and now all of a sudden he's a black man now. Yeah, brother, he's black. Well, well, think about it. You have to say he's black because then you couldn't use his Bible. That's the reason why they did Because if they, didn't, if they didn't claim he was black, then you couldn't use his Bible. You see the game? So rather than them who claim to be descendants of the ancient Hebrews, how come today, and how long have the black Hebrew Israelites been around? How come they don't have their own personal Hebrew translation of the Bible? That's all I want to know. Somebody tell me that, if they claim they're Hebrews. See, we're not going to do that, brother, because that's too complicated. Let's just say King James was black. Now now we are validated, and we can use the King James version of the Bible because we're laying the claim he's black, and then we come up with this off-the-wall history of the kings of Yorkshire taking it back. You show me and trace any of the lineage, not the rhetoric that they present to you, you show me where in the bloodline that King James was black. I'll show you where he wasn't. In a million. So that's rhetoric. Address the bullshit. That's called addressing the bullshit. Point blank. So path to self-mastery. And what we're going to start doing uh, uh, on our next show, because we're going to get ready to close out in a few minutes, um, we're going to start again with working with the chakras. Uh, you know, working with the root chakra, because it starts there, okay? We want to get into some techniques that one needs to put into practice to raise you to the awareness of this, because we realize you're not just going to wake up and be like, all right, man, I'm awake now. I realize all the bullshit, and now I've addressed it. It's, it's, we know it doesn't happen like that. It's a process. So now we need to share with the listeners exact things you can do to address that bullshit. Right? Let me give you an example. You know how I just addressed some bullshit while, while we were doing this show? You'll hear some people, let's, I'm going to use the food metaphor for an example. 
yeah, brother, you shouldn't eat junk food. Remember I said in moderation? So I just helped myself to some fudge royale ice cream. That shit was good as hell. <laughs> but in moderation. Yeah, brother, you're going you're gonna to go to vegan hell, brother. Exactly, brother. See, see, the old spiritual vegetarian spooked out comedic Negro would tell you, yeah, brother, you shouldn't eat that. Well, here's, here's the science behind that. You have to have a certain amount of this stuff in your system to be immune to it. If you really study the origin of this planet, the diseases that exist on this planet, that gets into a whole other science. I'm not going to waste my time on it now. But in moderation, do you understand? It doesn't mean you can't partake in some of these things. It's in moderation. That's how you address some of your bullshit as far as maybe things that you're lacking discipline in. And food can become an addiction. People don't realize that. When you say you have an addiction, it's not just talking about a drug addiction. It's talking food can be an addiction. Sex can be an addiction. These are bullshit aspects that we need to address because some people are held back spiritually because they can't control their sexual drive or they don't know. Selfies is a new addiction. Well, yeah, selfies, yeah. Oh, my God, I hate fucking selfies. You got that right. But most, (laughs) most, most definitely... Sexual energy is, and I know this from talking to brothers personally and some females, this is uh, an energy that can destroy people on the spiritual path. And we did a show on it when we were breaking down, and we're going to revisit that, sex magic, working correct, correct sex energy techniques, how to tap into the, to the energy potential of that so it can balance those energies out because some people have an addiction in that area. Some people gorge on food and they have no control over what they eat. If you learned to have a balance in that area, it doesn't mean you can't occasionally have, have, a, have a, a, a something that's sweet or, or junk food. It just means you can't do it every day, several days a week, in moderation. Because here's the thing. If, you got, if you're not tapping into the chaos energy, if you're fighting the fact that, say, you're craving a chocolate bar, and I'm just using some simple shit, and you're fighting it, and you're fighting it for two, three weeks. What you're actually doing is going against your higher self. That shit might sound crazy to you. You're actually, you got to learn to feed the spiritual energy just enough, but not to overindulge in it. That's the whole point. That's what balancement is about. Not avoiding it altogether. See, if you avoid eating that chocolate bar altogether, now, now what you've done is created a religion. Because now you're creating restrictions and restraints on your spirituality, and you, you've now defined it, and you've put a limitation on it. Rather than tap into the potential of it and take in moderation what you need and just feed those energies that need to be fed just to keep them at bay. People don't understand how that spiritual aspect of your nature works. So they tend to just go off on a tantrum one way or the other. But we're going to tap into that. Having said that, um, I don't know if there's anything you brothers want to add in closing, but uh, go ahead, and then I think we'll close out. Sure. Let me close. Let me close. (laughs) As we always say on the show, do the work. We can all talk till our faces turn blue, but if you're not willing to do the work and all you want to do is listen, then guess what? All you'll ever be is a listener, and you'll never elevate or progress anywhere. So make sure you do the work. The next few shows is going to be exclusively us speaking, and we're going to give people techniques from experience, from our travels, for different parts 
of spirituality of the work you need or are asking to do. If you have any requests for upcoming shows, like we had a request for one of the last shows for us to do a new show on Chakras, Part 2. Yep. So we're going to do that again. That's the first show coming up next week. Then we're going to do more work. Uh, we're going to deal with Tantra, Sex Magic. We're going to deal with uh, different um, techniques as far as meditations, as far as breathing, subconscious. We're going to go back to the roots and basics of how these shows started and elaborate further. And please come with questions because this is supposed to be an interactive show, not a show where we're preaching, talking, or just lulling you to sleep. It's supposed to be an interactive show, so please come with questions next week. Stay, if you want to stay in touch with myself, Ravana Noon on Facebook. That's R-A-V-A-N-A-N-U-N on Facebook. Also, Ravana Noon at Outlook.com. If you have any questions, concerns, you want to email me there because it's more private, fine. Um, also, uh, we're willing and able to do live lectures, so if you want to bring us to your area, contact us and let us know. Uh, we also eventually want to have a, a spiritual gathering where we can all come together and do some spiritual work, some drumming, some meditation, some chanting, some magical work. But it starts with one or two people. So if you're willing, let us know. Yes. Outside of that, have a great night. Peace, everybody. Yeah. Peace. Brother Sargidi. <laughs> you hear me? <laughs> I know if you got it here. Yeah, peace is Brother Sargidi. <laughs> and um, my last comment. I mean, just as we always say, do the work. I mean, for real, <laughs> you guys may think we bad. We bash people. You know, we say this or we say that. We make fun at reality. That's what we yep. do. That's right. You, you have to. You know, I mean, you have to laugh at what's real because the shit is real. We see it all the time. I mean. You have to do your own personal work. And don't forget to live life. Sometimes niggas get so spiritual. That's they right. Forget, they point. forget that they're living on earth. That's a good point, brother. Don't don't space out. Come back down to earth. Experience I, this shit. No, I play my Star Wars game. <laughs> exactly. Play Star Wars. Fucking play football outside or ride a bike or do do something earthly. There's nothing wrong with doing human shit. That's the white man shit. That's the white man shit, man. (laughs) 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 And that's, you know, because that's something that I've come across I should say on Facebook. You know, we interview some people, you know, and they speak on their aspect of consciousness and then you have a lot of people talking, you know, talking down against just being a human. Like, you signed up for this shit. You wanted to be a human. Why are you running from that reality? That's right. Why do you want to get so spiritual that you don't want to deal with your earthly shit? You don't want to experience 
what it's like Get to be off. on the beach or buy a house or things of that nature. Don't get so spiritual, man. God damn. I mean, that's one of the things, and I have to say, I have to be totally fucking honest. Since I've been into this conscious shit, that's one of the things that I've never seen amongst Negroes is a balance of this shit. Niggas are either too spiritual or too physical. That's what I noticed. That's right. <laughs> you got to have balance, man. I mean, but, you know, do the work, balance your life, and if you want to contact me, Asar Gidi on Facebook, A-U-S-A-R-G-H-E-D-E, Asar Gidi. Also, you can contact my email, Asar Gidi at yahoo.com. Peace. All right. Appreciate it, brothers. Yeah, excellent point. So, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad you said that. Live life, man. You know, if you like sports, don't mean you can't play sports. Every now and then, treat yourself to something good to eat that you like. Fuck all that religious shit. Okay? That's very important. Live life. Have some enjoyment. Like I'm glad you said that, brother. You signed up for this shit. You're human. You're here. Live it. Uh, another excellent point, like Ravana Noon said, we are planning uh, a spiritual gathering. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not saying we're going to want everybody there because we can't have everybody there. But if you are sincere and you definitely want to attend, then it will be an event where we do spiritual work, some spiritual magic for the ancestors, some some intense drumming. Um, so if you play drums, it's something you definitely want to come to. Uh, so there'll be things of that nature. So we got we got to actually start living and practicing the culture. Uh, the drumming sessions are powerful because um, I know when I get into those sessions, I'm in a whole other zone. I'm in a whole other universe. Um, so most definitely that'll be powerful. Um, again, we are all of us are available. To do lectures or classes, just contact us. And, and for those that will be in the Miami area this Saturday, I will actually be doing a lecture Saturday night at uh, Sophia's Garden of Mad in North Miami Gardens. Uh, you can contact me or email me. I'll give you the information to that event. Um, you can email me at khnum19 at gmail.com. There's no charge to get into that event. We never charge to get in. Um, but I will be there with a ton of books, so all the stuff we're talking about tonight, uh, there will be other vendors there, uh, food vendors, et cetera. So just support the vendors. That's all we ask. Uh, you can also contact me and reach me through uh, YouTube, um, Mother Nubia, Inc. I put videos up there at least one or two a week. Um, also, you can go to the Mother Nubia, Inc. Google channel. All the shows are archived there. Uh, and obviously our Facebook page, um, Waking the Universal Minds, for any comments suggestions to keep up with the latest and again as we said moving forward we're going to do the next several shows uh and uh get into some techniques and, and topics of, of stuff you can actually put into practice um and that's pretty much what we got uh going on so we hope uh what, what we talked about tonight earlier with dr bynum sinks in and hopefully here on what we discussed in the second portion of the show the path to self-mastery uh, again, don't be deceived by anything or anybody. Leave all these Mickey Mouse clubs alone and join the club of mastery itself. And I guarantee you do that. You, you're on your way. All right. So we thank everybody for joining us and for listening in. And we will see you next Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Peace. Peace. Peace.